This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Good to be with everybody. Man, alive. What a, uh, a new week, a Monday. So it's, it's time to get excited. A lot of people on campus here. It's going to get crazy. A lot of people wanting to be educated. A lot of visitors, yes. I will walk out after the show to my parking spot, act like I'm getting in my car, and then just turn around and just walk away. <laughs> Four cars will stop. You're just teasing Fists people. will be shaken out the window as I walk back to my car. Such a tease. I do what I can. You're such a tease. Wow, uh, what a weekend. Michael Phelps, 23rd gold medal. That's how, that's a good way to end it. Yeah. 23, Michael Jordan's number. Really? Wasn't it? Sure. Lochte, again, always the bridesmaid, mm-hmm. never the bride, and then he got mugged. Well, he was out at 4 a.m. Yeah, that's he, what you do. He, he took a local cab in a city that's known to be kind of dangerous. <laughs> Instead of staying where, you know, the, they, they've kind of cordoned off things and kept it safe, he went out to, you know, experience probably real Brazil, and he got caught up. Instead in of staying in with the village people. Yeah. There, there's uh, what I think NBC, I think I saw it was, they went out with the SWAT team into an area outside oh, really? of the Olympic areas, and uh, they're constantly being shot at. They're constantly ready for a fight. They're, you know, Is that because they had the SWAT team? Yeah, he's with the SWAT team, but the SWAT team's out there trying to, just, you know, cordon off an area, and they they say, yeah, every day we get shot at. Just wow, part of the job. That should, by the way, that should be an Olympic event. It could be, yeah. Just like the event should be getting to, you know, getting to the stadium. So they have this Olympic zone that's really safe, controlled. And, yeah, it's outside that Olympic zone. They're also trying to, you know, keep it under control, and it's kind of uh, dangerous. So, so th- I guess they got. They were mugged, basically. Yeah. Well, he had the, the the interview he had. He said the guy put the gun to my head. I got down on my knees. They said, "Give me your money." He goes, "Whatever," which is exactly what someone like him would say. That's right. Whatever. When you listen to an interview with him, whatever is exactly what he would say. Oh, whatever. Here's my wallet. Take my wallet. I'd give you my medal, but I didn't get one. Locked. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was he in the race, the medley race, where I don't know the twenty third uh, gold was taken. Anyway, pretty cool. Phelps, again, did it again. Amazing stories. Uh, some of the track stories were incredible. That guy out of South Africa, did you see that story? No. His coach is like 76 years old. 76-year-old grandma, female. Wow. Amazing. And he won a gold medal. I mean, it's just cool. Hmm. It's, that's, what, that's what the Olympics is all about. And it allows us not to have to talk about Trump. However, I read something over the weekend that said it's about tribalism. Really? Yeah. Well, we all are in our tribes. Sure. Like, it's supposed to promote peace. What it does promote is the USA versus whoever we just beat. Well, and, and the medal count. Oh, right. I well, mean, the yeah. medal count, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so is it achieving its goal? What's it's not. The point? It's not fully, but it. I think there's one or two stories you take away, and you're like, that's yeah. pretty cool. Right. So we will get to all of that coming up. Plus, um, our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, will be joining us to talk politics and <laughs> What I mean, you're, we're going to end up talking about Trump, of course. And is he blowing it? Is it time to pull the plug? As the Wall Street Journal would say, you got to, you got, you got to make some moves here. Something's got to change. 
We'll get into that, plus the Russia connection. <laughs> Lots of interesting stuff with, with Joe coming up. But first, let's get to Caitlin Thomas with the headlines around the country. Caitlin? Donald Trump held a rally in deep blue Connecticut on Saturday night during which he went on a tirade against the media once again. I'm not, he said, I'm not running against crooked Hillary, I'm running against the crooked media. This comes at a time when his campaign is floundering and the Republican National Committee is considering diverting funds to down ballot races. Patrol officer Tim Smith was fatally shot in Georgia on Saturday night, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. Smith was responding to a suspicious person call and when he exited his car, he was shot. The suspect is still reportedly on the loose. The investigation is ongoing and Smith was reportedly not wearing a body cam. The federal government has declared a major disaster in southern Louisiana after massive flooding killed six people, destroyed homes, and left 10,000 in shelters. Governor John Bell Edwards said nearly 20,000 people have been pulled out of the flooded areas in sometimes dramatic rescue operations using helicopters and boats, with some people saved while clinging to rooftops and trees. Authorities have frantically been trying to make sure there are enough shelters for the thousands of people forced out of their homes, even transforming a movie studio into a shelter. In the same place, Louisiana State Police are using helicopters to airlift drinking water and food to an estimated 1,500 motorists stranded by a massive flooding on on Interstate 12 for about 24 hours. Police first attempted to bring the supplies using high-water vehicles and boats, but the floodwaters are too deep for the former and too uneven for the latter. And like we mentioned, the U.S. Olympics Committee says four U.S. swimmers, including gold medalist Ryan Lochte, were robbed at gunpoint in Rio early Sunday morning. The robbery occurred when Lochte and three teammates were headed to the Olympic Village, and the taxi they were in was stopped by a group of people posing as armed police. The attackers demanded the swimmers hand over their money and belongings. All four athletes are, quote, now safe and cooperating with the authorities. So there uh, you have it. There, see, there's there the official update. Morning. There's the update. They posed as armed police, so that's a little bit scary, but... They're really? okay. Well, you got that, and see, that's why you can't always trust a SWAT member in the outer Olympic circle. Could be. They may be playing you. And again, Lochte was, uh, you were saying he's one of the most decorated medalists. Did you hear his little comment that if Phelps hadn't been there, he would have been the Phelps? Oh, of course. <laughs> Phelps stole 23 of his gold medals. Now, that would be hard to be. It's like being the little brother. Always the bridesmaid. Man. Never the bride. Did you see? And then Louisiana, holy cow. Tragic. Uh, just, they can't win. When it comes to water, and I guess this time of year, they're not going to win. You lose in Louisiana. Did you see? Uh, well, we'll post it. The Olympics, people are going crazy. I found this on Twitter. A guy in a Speedo with an Olympic swim cap. Oh, swimming down there? Swimming. In Louisiana? Like, yeah, like yeah. swimming in a park. Yeah. With about four inches of water. He's doing his own Olympics, yeah. It's just... There's people with jet skis in the streets, so... It's crazy this town. what you do. And then Wisconsin had a, had, a, had a big deal last night, yesterday. Yeah. A shooting and then just... The governor riots. calls out the National Guard, never actually deploys them, but uh, uses that as a, a threat and everyone kind of backed down. But man, it's that place went nuts. It's that uh, we, got, we just got a lot of issues we got to solve. Mm-hmm. And thank heavens we're in the middle of a presidential race where right. all these issues can be addressed. I, I taken saw someone on. speculating this morning that the ratings in the Olympics, are they possibly being affected by the fact that our nation is so polarized that we can't watch something that's supposed to unite us as a country? Ooh, maybe that's it. Maybe we don't want to be united. They say the numbers are starting to slowly tick up, so maybe we're kind of pulling ourselves out of the malaise of <laughs> politics and understanding, okay, now it's the Olympics, we're all together on I, this. 
I took myself completely out of politics. I didn't look at one political thing all weekend. Oh. It's so great. Really? Like, I forgot that Donald Trump was running. Oh, wow. I doubt that. I, like, except for when everybody brings it up. <laughs> but then I didn't, I didn't follow what's going on with Hillary. Is she mm. still in the race? She is. She's pretty smart, though. She just stays on her message and kind of stays out of... She has her own issues. There's emails. There's all kinds of some other investigations. Man, Congress is after her to get the notes yep. from the FBI interviews. They want the data. And what do you think they do with that? They just want to vet um, her? I think elected officials, who many are just you know lawyers, but they're accountants and real estate guys, they need to go ahead and investigate the FBI's investigation. That makes a good sense. Oh, good yeah. common sense there. Well, that... Whatever. Yeah, yeah, they have a committee, they're trying to backstop something, but I don't know what investigative experience any of the elected officials have when it comes to what the FBI did. Well, d- does it not feel like Trump's in trouble? Mm-hmm. He's almost not even running against Hillary anymore. He's just running against the media. That's what he says. Um, yeah, we got, we'll have to listen to that. And it also seems like Hillary is just running kind of from everything. Yes. And then she'll get elected, and <laughs> then we will have four it. years of hearing nothing more than the Republicans investigating Hillary. Yes, this is how it's going oh, to be man. for the immediate future. Okay, so let's get into uh, some of our audio this morning. Uh, here, here's, I guess, Donald Trump is no longer no longer sees Hillary um, as the enemy. You've got to get your people out to vote. And especially in those states where we're represented, having a tremendous yeah, that won't problem be it. in Utah. That's not it. That's the old Utah comment that we talked about Friday. You know, you got to get out to vote. Utah's a strange place. We got to get everybody out to vote because he may not be able to win Utah at this rate. But uh, one of uh, the clips we were going to play was Trump talking about the media, where he is now basically claiming the media is his problem. It's no longer... Hillary that is crooked. He's now running against, he says, the crooked media. And I don't know. It seems like he's not going to win a battle if he's taking on the media. Um, he, he basically is, is saying Donald Trump, he lashed out at the media on Sunday after more stories describing dysfunction inside his presidential campaign. Everybody's talking about the fact that he's, you know, it's not his campaign sliding if he doesn't turn it around. And then he said, if the disgusting and corrupt media covered me honestly and didn't put false meaning into the words I say, I would be beating Hillary by 20 percent, Mr. Trump uh, said on Twitter. So, in fact, uh, he's battling Clinton or the media, except it's the media that made Trump. How can that be? How can it be? Here's that clip we were looking for. Very unfair. I'll tell you honestly, I'm not running against crooked Hillary Clinton. I'm running against the crooked media. That's what I'm running against. Now, that was provoked because there was a New York Times article over the weekend where they kind of did a uh, sources said type thing. There was Mm -hmm. no names. It was all attributed to sources close to the campaign. But that Trump has had two interventions with his campaign where they came to him and tried to get him to correct behavior so that he would stop causing where, and problems and who intervened the uh, the, legi- the the Man- gop no this is the campaign so okay. manafort his campaign manager tried to intervene with his Trump. kids okay. 
Chris Christie was in there, they said. Was uh, there a psychologist involved? No. Psychiatrist, Just, just people on his campaign, like, we have a good message here, but we get, it gets derailed by these other non-issue things you keep bringing up. And yeah. mostly it comes from when he just speaks off the cuff. So they committed him in the first one, which was, I think, on June 20th is what the article said, to use the teleprompter. Come in with prepared messages, stay on point, and do that. Because he's done well. I remember he did that he's done twice. That. Which is funny because that's one of the big things he's criticized Obama right, for. Right. Is he just reads Obama. He just reads he from the teleprompter. Um, so he goes on and it says uh, Ivanka her and her husband, which is Jared Kushner, who's also involved in the campaign. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Trump's confidants pled with him to make that day, June 20th, a turning point in the campaign. Hmm. He would stick to the teleprompter in his freestyle digressions and insults nearly two months later. It hasn't happened. It, they, the other one, the, the intervention they talked about actually happened the day that he came out and talked about the Second Amendment people mm-hmm. and Hillary Clinton. So that lasted about, they said, maybe five hours after that meeting that he just went off the cuff and caused another media issue that they had to scramble and try to yeah. get ahead of. I want to ask Joe about that because I don't know that you win. He he had $2 billion worth of free publicity he did. in the primaries, all media-sponsored. And so he, but yet he dares claim that there's a media conspiracy against, I guess, against And then he jumped out on Twitter and says, we have a newspaper that is failing badly, the New York Times. It's losing a lot of money. It's going to be out of business very soon. So just news to you, New York Times. New York Times. If you had stock in New York Times, I'd probably, I guess, bail out. Because they wrote a story, anonymous sources quoted, they don't have any names. He goes, I don't really think they have any names. There are no, there are no anonymous, you know, with my campaign. I'll be honest with you. It's me. It's me. He's saying I'm in control of the campaign. Pain, which again the response to that is that's what the whole story was about that's exactly the problem. stop it let somebody else so it's, take like reins. He, it's not like he's reading and understanding what the messages are here it's kind of a the, interesting the um the, the i guess the bigger deal is so how do you rein him in so you go to manafort which we will get his russian connection in a minute it's now <laughs> coming out he may be the russian connection in the trump campaign well or Trump's ex-wife. Who knows? Uh, Manafort is is was asked if Trump is getting off of message. We had a chance to have a serious discussion about the two economic programs that that were presented this past week, this very week, uh, by the two candidates. There was no discussion. There was no comparison. And you, and, uh, instead, and Mr. Trump you bears no responsibility. And Mr. Trump bears no responsibility for his campaign being off message. He's not the, his comments about the Second Amendment had nothing to do with why we weren't covering the economic message. His point about the Second Amendment was that people who cared about the Second Amendment should be concerned about Hillary Clinton's candidacy, and that those who are concerned probably would take up the cause. Now, you could interpret it, which I certainly didn't, as a threat. Hmm. Now, Trump never said any of that. He just said, I don't know what the Second Amendment people would, you know, they could do something, something to that effect. But it wasn't they could protest, they could organize. He just left it kind of vague. Right. And depending on what side of the aisle you're on, I guess, when it comes to your political philosophy is how you took that. So they're mad because they're saying that Trump is saying, you didn't cover my economic message, you didn't cover Hillary's. Both candidates, with yeah. the fine-tooth comb that you should have. Um, it's None of that was going on. Right. And yet, in the end, uh, and then Jake Tapper comes back and says, oh, you're not saying... Trump did this himself. He buries. He always buries every other attack he could do by saying something silly, yeah. like the threat of the Second Amendment people getting Hillary. And you talked about the Manafort 
Ukrainian connection. This morning, it comes out the Ukrainian anti-corruption investigators in Kiev say they have found the name of Donald Trump's campaign chairman in a secret ledger left behind by the former president of Ukraine. <laughs> the ledger reportedly shows $12 million in undisclosed cash payments meant from Paul Manafort from the former president's political party. $12 million? $12 million. From 2007 to 2012, investigators say the document detailing cash payments is proof of an illegal scheme of kickbacks and bribes that includes elections election officials in addition to Manafort. So, yeah, but that, that's Ukraine. That's not yeah, Russia. Right. Russia wants Ukraine. Except the president of Ukraine was seen as a puppet of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> oh, so no. it's these are the connections people are making oh, boy. with the campaign, and they don't do much to try to No. And this is that Manafort up. that you call the, 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 pit boss. the pit boss. He looks like a pit boss. Not that I... Not that you would know what a pit or a boss looks or like. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Holy cow, the tangled web. Okay, well... Let's, we're going to bring in a pro then. We'll let uh, Joe Cannon help us sort out some of this. Is Donald Trump taking on water? Is it time to either start bailing or let's let's sink the ship? What do you do? <laughs> Get the buckets, folks. It's crazy town. And we're going to find out, too, if any of these other candidates coming in are going to make a difference and how that uh, difference will be made. Plus, what's going on with Hillary Clinton? She could just ease back, ride this, you know. Write this out for 85 more days. Stick with us, folks. We're talking politics. Up next, this is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You hear the music. That means Joe is on the show. Joe Cannon is our Washington insider, a good friend of the show, and we like to pick his brain. Find out, uh, as, as somebody that has been in deep in the political world, he was a chairman of uh, the Utah Republican Party, also was sir, uh, ran for Senate, the U.S. Senate, served as an assistant administrator to the U.S. EPA agency, the Environmental Protection Agency under Reagan. Uh, he's been a he's been a not a, a pit boss, but he's basically been an editor for a very large uh, uh, newspaper organization in the Intermountain West. And so we got to start, Joe. First of all, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Good to be here. Hey, what do you think about Donald Trump? No longer really running against Hillary, apparently. Now he's uh, running against the media. Well. <laughs> I guess kind of two movies come to mind when I think about Donald Trump these days. One is The Princess Bride, one of the great movies of all time. I love where, that. Yeah, where basically remember the hero was tortured and <laughs> he's finally discovered. And, you know, the, the, uh, actually, it's Billy Crystal says, well, he's not dead. He's mostly dead. <laughs> is but, he? Is he mostly dead? He's mostly dead. But if you're mostly dead, that means you're not all dead. And, <laughs> So, you know, who knows? No no one in history has come back from this kind of a deficit at this stage in the game to win the popular vote. Right. And so there's a, you know, a lot of analysis around that. The other the other movie though that comes to mind with Donald Trump is Groundhog Day. Yeah. Like everyone thinks if, you know, that something will be different and it's never different. So Donald is Donald and you know, he's like and he said this, actually said this, uh, you know, I'm, um, 
I'm just me. I am who I am. That's all I am. And that's just like, honestly, it's like uh, a lot of uh, people with problems say, it's that I just can't help myself. I, I can't change. I'm just me. <laughs> and so if he doesn't yeah. change, he's not going to get the happy ending of Groundhog Day. He's just going to get more Groundhog oh, Day. Yeah, you got to learn, right? That's the whole point of Groundhog Day, yeah. for heaven's sakes, is... I don't understand exactly why everyone always is writing him out, uh, writing him out, because it seems like, I mean, I get it, except in the polls, he's 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 nationally down by what, double digits or whatever. But in Ohio, he's only Clinton's only up by two point six in Florida. She's only up by three point six. And in some, you know, in Pennsylvania, he's down nine. But in some of these swing states, it seems like he's. He's, you know, holding ground. Well, in, in every one of those swing states that you mentioned, he's gotten worse, however. That's the whole true. thing. True, dropping it's true yeah. that it's, yeah, it's true that he's not, uh, you know, he's not dead. Sort of going back to our almost dead thing. He's not totally dead in some of those states. But in every single one of those states, he's been declining and not coming back. And that, that's, I think, the kind of the, the dangerous thing. The other interesting thing is in Everyone, a lot of people are worried about, uh, well, a lot of Republicans are worried about keeping the Senate. Trump is running behind virtually every Senate candidate in state-by-state analysis. Hmm. So, um, you know, you take uh, Ohio, who's an important state. So Portman is ahead by 5.8 of his opponent. Trump is behind. Oh, wow. So, that, I mean, eventually uh, that drags these senators down, right? Well, I'm thinking the opposite. I think what's happening now is is that they, the voters are differentiating between the Senate, the House, okay. and this phenomenon, Trump. Yeah. So he's, he's basically sort of a, um, the law, there's an expression, sui generis, a thing unto itself, a thing unique unto itself. And that's kind of what you have with Trump is that he's, He's just unique. He has a unique base. He's stuck with that base. He believes, apparently, that if you have large crowds, you win elections. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, somehow he is in denial or not awareness of the polls. I mean, the, like, realtor politics average has him down, uh, you know, 7.8 or 6.8%, almost 7%. Uh, well, you have Nate Silver, who's a little bit more sophisticated than just the, right. the polling. You know, he's he. What happened is Hillary got a bump after the um, her convention. She got a bump. She's basically leveled out, however, at forty four point five percent, which, as we can see, is not fifty. No. Trump got a little bump, but then he has steadily declined to thirty six point four. So he's you know a little over eight points behind in the 538 Nate Silver analysis. So it's just thinking, well, uh, he's now, he's hired some new people, he's doing kind of things, but it's, it's sort of late, you know, to, in the game to be to be doing that. Yeah. Is, is, are we at a place where because of Trump, we might be losing, you know, the Senate, some would claim, or the GOP would be saying they're going, there's a chance they could lose the Senate or they could lose uh, Congress is it is should they fear that at this point or are this are this um, the polls looking a little safer where you know they can actually go for the senator and go against Trump? Well, 
at least one analysis shows that that uh, as far as the Senate goes, that that's that's true. That the voters are differentiating between their local Senate candidate and Trump, and generally to the favor, generally to the good. However, I mean you're you're getting a, a lot of attention around attention and tension around <laughs> what is the what does the Republican National Committee do with its money? When do you start like, okay, he's gone, we're not gonna waste any more money on him. Um and we start putting it into the state uh candidates into the Senate. So apparently the RNC is saying, No, we're thinking about that, but we're not gonna do that, we're not gonna make that decision till later. Mm. But uh, but still there's a lot of pressure around that. So I guess really, um, is there, the Wall Street Journal is, is kind of saying, you know, this isn't going well, and maybe it's time you you jettison Donald, let Pence run it and run. Is that is that realistic? Is that ever going to happen where they actually get rid of the candidate that's been nominated? Well, it's never happened at the presidential level. It, it has happened once in the vice presidential level. And, and so George McGovern initially chose Tom Eagleton from uh, Senator Eagleton from Missouri to be the uh, his VP, and then that uh, some things came up about him and some mental issues and whether he'd had uh, certain kind of shock therapy. Anyway, he stepped down. But I think he stepped down. I mean, he was asked to, but in, in fact, he stepped down, and that left uh, McGovern the opportunity to choose Shriver mm-hmm. as the um, as his VP. It's never happened at the presidential level, A and B. I'm not, I'm not sure you can make it happen. That's the other thing. Yeah, how do you do at, that? At, least at, the, at the state level, uh, most states have have uh, laws that that talk about uh, a, pre- a candidate for anything. Uh, mayor to governor being uh, physically or mentally incapacitated or dead. There, so there, there are uh, uh, laws around that. I don't know that there is such a law at the national level. I don't know how it works. But in mm. any case, that's not going to happen. It's, 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 that's a dream of, of some people, and it's uh, and it probably, honestly, probably wouldn't make much difference at this point anyway. Right, right. I mean, it's it seems like the die is cast, and um, I guess now the question is, what what do you do? Do you do you just does the does the GOP? I guess keep putting pressure on Trump's campaign to fly straight, use teleprompters, turn off the Twitter sphere. What would, what advice would you be giving the Trump camp? Well, I one issue and problem is they don't really listen to advice, so it doesn't seem to matter much. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. I, I guess what I would say if I, if I were advising them would be, look, just remember who your opponent is and and go after your opponent and stop saying things that at best divert and at worst really you you have people who might even like Trump, might even want to vote for him, wondering if he's uh, suitable to be president. Hmm. Um, the other thing that I would advise is really actually prepare for the debate. You know, a, a lot of people have gone into debates, starting from the most famous debate, presidential debate, the Nixon-Kennedy debates. You know, Nixon knew. They, he served in the Senate with Kennedy. He thought of Kennedy as a glib playboy, and that he was a guy who knew the issues that 
done, you know, done it. He'd been vice president, and uh, Kennedy came off the best of the debates. And a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people think that was the single thing that turned the uh, the um, 1960 election mm. was Nixon losing the debate. And so you, you could have a situation where Trump could turn it all around by uh, really doing well in the debate. But I think his vision of doing well is how many clever uh, statements he can make and, mm-hmm. and, not, and not to say, I've got to show these people that I can be a better president than Hillary Clinton. And that, that, to do that, you've got to get off the the eighth grade playground and the personal epithets and uh, and all of that and actually de- demonstrate something. Yeah. Well, so. and like, I mean, again, he, and it's almost like everything he does, he brought out his economic team. I think it was like 12 white men um, and then rich, successful white men. Then later, I think, brought on six females to, you know, round it out. But it was almost after the fact. Everything is almost everything's almost a do over with Trump. Do over. Okay, we got a do over. Where with Clinton, you see everything seems well run in a way that it's kind of we just we just kind of hit it one at a time. And she, it almost seems like they're a machine that keeps throwing stuff out, hitting him every day on something. They just released an incredible, I think, advertisement, um, a video of Donald making all these comments about. I think it was actually with Romney that he needed to release his taxes. So another tax hit. So day by day, they just he just keeps getting hit by one side or another in organized way. Yet on Trump's side, it seems like there's no organization. Well, the, on the Clinton side, there's no question that they recognize the weaknesses of her as a candidate. And so they compensate for it. They compensate by uh, unbelievable discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, discipline in their campaign, discipline in their message, discipline of what what she does. You know, she almost never talks to the press. Uh, never, almost never puts herself in a position where she can be vulnerable to some, you know, um, change up pitch or curveball pitch. Uh, so, you know, they they're running a, an amazingly disciplined campaign. With, by the way, a candidate who still doesn't get to 50%. Uh, I mean, that, that's just in the polls, but they're, they're doing a great job. Their campaign is doing a great job. And it's, a, it's, it's apparent on the Trump side that he may have advisors that if, when there's a total, absolute, unmistakable disaster, then he'll listen to them and, and try to do something to, to, to repair it. But, but generally, he just goes off on his own because he's got great crowds and you know, you can hear his speech. He gives the same speech in whatever state he's in. Yeah, you know, thank you, Ohio. You you know, thank you, Pennsylvania. And he does get big crowds. Yeah, yeah. That's not... Um, that's not... So, so that's, he's got to think about the, the... In my mind, anyway, the only possible turning point for him at this point is um, the debates. Yeah, a major misstep um, from Hillary Clinton. Yeah, she could... She could do. I mean, there are still things out there that uh, that trouble a lot of Americans about her. Right. Hmm. Uh, but when you go in, you've only got two people to vote for, and and uh, yeah, no, it's 
Oh, Joe, who'd have thunk it? Let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to hear your take on, you know, has, is Donald being treated unfairly by the media? And uh, we'll get into Hillary's side of some of this, too. What's uh, what we need to worry about and also information about the Russian connection to the Trump side. Crazy stuff, folks. Stick with us more with Joe Cannon. When we get back, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Today we're trying to walk you through this crazy political scene with uh, Donald Trump head-to-head, I guess, with Hillary Clinton. Donald keeps making unforced errors, is what we'd call it in the, I guess, the tennis world. And uh, in the end, we've got to probably, we we got to figure out if Donald is actually running against Hillary or against the media, who better to help us sort that out than our Washington insider, Joe Cannon. Joe, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks, Matt. What do you think? Uh, is It doesn't seem like taking on the media is ever going to serve Donald. Well, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Uh, let's let, lay aside the issue of uh, media bias, which is study after study after study shows the Overwhelmingly, media at, at almost every level right. uh, are heavily democratic and, and, and tend to be much tougher on Republicans than on opponents. And uh, just a little thought experience: just ask yourself if everything that Clinton has done or has been accused of done, doing, uh, and substitute the name Bush and not Clinton, what do you think the media would be doing with all of mm. these things? And the answer is it's, it's obvious they'd be going after. Um, uh, George W. Bush, but, yeah. lay, but just lay that aside. Donald Trump's rise uh, was a consequence of his capacity to command media. So that's what he does. He does mm-hmm. that really, really well. I mean, <clears throat> lots of my my friends on the Democratic side are just you know stunned at how much CNN and MSNBC have become Trump news networks that they'll drop virtually everything to cover Trump's speech or Trump's statement. So he's, and he's benefited greatly. He's got, you know, uh, I can't remember during the primaries, but, you know, like a billion dollars plus worth of free media, uh, all of which advanced his interests. Right. So, so you know, he's been the beneficiary of that. Uh, the problem is, is that um, over and above, as I mentioned, the, the bias possibility, Wow. If yeah. you're a journalist and you just, oh, what am I going to do today? Let's, I think I'll just watch the 10 minutes of Trump and see what he has to say, because I know I'll get a story out of that. Uh, you know, he, he just manages to say things all the time that, that are just, um, uh, well, they're newsworthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how, you know, they're, they're uh, so he's giving... So there, I guess you could say they're unforced error, but I think that's honestly a very polite way to say it. I mean, <laughs> he's basically, uh, you know, one of my Democrat friends says he's he's like a monkey with a machine gun. That's true. You know, and uh, is he? I guess even the media are getting on the media because the rise of Donald 
was because of excessive, you know, coverage and because he would get a ratings and it was all kind of a ratings push. And it almost seems like Donald's shocked that his buddies aren't they don't keep pushing him. Right, which everyone forecasted, uh, you know, okay, you win the primary, he thinks he's going to, because he's got a special relationship with a bunch of reporters and friendships that he's cultivated over the years, and, you know, particularly on Fox, uh, although you still have many, if not most of the Fox people are all, basically they're just Trump shills. Yeah. Uh, so but that's, like, what, what, again, what happened, he had a, a combination of the media savvy, and a media persona coupled with a pretty hardcore base of supporters, which would never leave him. The problem is that base is in the you know uh, mid 30s to low 40s at best, and he's not demonstrated any ability to go beyond that. Even where people are almost sort of begging, give me something so I can like you, mm-hmm. uh, he, he won't do that. <laughs> he's not going to give him anything. He did well. That's, to be fair, I, I don't want to. Be, he did give a list of judges that at least a lot of conservatives thought were pretty good judges. Yeah, so, I mean, he nailed he's done, that. He's done, he's done a few things. Every you know, once in a while, he'll try to give a speech where he stays on message, where he reads the, you know, he reads the teleprompter. And in, in the case of the endorsements, we talked about this already. But in the case of the endorsements of of Paul Ryan and uh, McCain and Kelly Ayotte. Uh, he basically read it from a piece of paper, not even from the right. from the teleprompter. Boy, and he uh, sure didn't act like he cared. No, no, it was uh, listening to it. It sounded great. Watching it, it sounded like a person experiencing excruciating pain. Hmm. You know what he needs, or who he needs? He needs to go back to that John Miller. Uh, his 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 press agent from the eighties or nineties that when he would call all the right. local papers, <laughs> he needs John Miller out of the out of the woodwork to to come and revive his uh, his press credentials and his press relationship. What about yeah, Hillary? Go, well, what were you going to say, Joe? Well, maybe you're right. I mean, you know, the, the famous John Miller was, of course, himself. So maybe yeah, what he needs <laughs> is to get in touch with his inner self since he doesn't listen to anybody else. <laughs> and uh, you're right. Don't you love it? By the way, the guy's name used to also be John Barron. I guess that was until John, until Trump named his kid Barron. Then he's like, I'm not going to use John Barron anymore. Um, talk about Hillary's side of this thing. How is she handling it? Is she is she doing well? Is she doing what she needs to be doing? And I mean, obviously, she should be getting ready for the debates because that's a that's a place where you know weird things can happen as well. Right. Just just like. Trump's only chance left is to do something stunning in the debates that turns things around or, or makes her look unpresidential and makes him look presidential. All all she has to do is not make a very, not make a major mistake. Hmm. I don't think because no one has any expectation that she's going to be a great debater and trounce Trump. So the extent she does anything in that direction, it's going to be a big big benefit. So. For her, the bar is fairly low, uh, partly because she's not she's not creating expectations. And I don't I don't know if I've heard her mention the, the debates at all. Mm-mm. She may have. I, I don't. But you know, I try to pay attention to that. But uh, so she all she has to do is not make a mistake. Uh, the expectations are really high for Trump, and he's going to come in and you know wipe up the floor with her. He's not embarrassed to go after a woman and. 
and whatever, you know, his uh, kind of uh, uncouth self, and then somehow that's going to triumph. But I think the American people, th- those are all kind of baked in. I think they're going to want to know, well, can this guy do anything other than just hurl insults and, and demeaning comments to somebody? Could he do anything but that? Because that's what the expectation is. Right. So, so, so I think she doesn't, she has to prepare, but really, in reality, she is actually pretty prepared on most things. Mm-hmm. And he's not. So I, I'd expect uh, it'll be really interesting to watch the dynamic of uh, it, it, everyone expects a certain outcome. And so that's good for Hillary and, and maybe not so good for Trump unless he somehow puts together a surprise and shows and, and you know, kind of looks presidential and and uh, looks like he knows what he's talking about. Does does it matter? Uh, do any of these other scandals? I mean, it seems like we're going to just keep hearing one scandal after another uh, coming out with WikiLeaks issues. I mean, they're not major scandals, but it it just shows possibly pay for play, you know, allegations that were going on from the Clinton Global Initiative. Um, people meeting with Secretary of State's staff and and other things like that going on. Any any of that going to go anywhere? Do you do you predict more or less of that? Where 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 do those things well, there, go? There will there will be more. I mean, somebody everyone says this. I have no, of course, no knowledge of this, but a lot of people believe on both sides that someone has those thirty thousand emails. Yeah, someone hacked it and has them. There's probably a lot of embarrassing stuff in there, but. Still, you know, Matt, it gets back to what we've talked about. If if she were not a Republican, if she were not a Democrat, if she were a Republican, she'd be dead. If she were running against anybody but, but uh, Trump, maybe not anybody, but many other people besides Donald Trump, she'd be dead. Yeah, it wouldn't be going. The, the, you, you've got the scandals coupled with what every Democrat, virtually every Democrat, recognizes as a very weak candidate. Uh, even with even without any uh, any smudges uh, around the edges. Yeah. So yeah, her her best benefit is she's running against Donald Trump, and his best benefit is that he's running against Hillary. I know this the wags have always said this, so it's not new. But each party managed to nominate the only person the other party could <laughs> defeat. That's right. Uh, and 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 there it sits, right, just stuck seemingly in the mud. No, it's a, it's a, I mean, honestly, just stepping back, it's a nightmare for everybody mm-hmm. uh, who are who are sort of thoughtful. Any new voters. thoughts? Any new thoughts about the about uh, third party candidates? McMullen, Stein, um, Johnson. So they could have made a they could have made a difference in some states, and they might still make a difference in some states. But I think, given the chasm that's appearing and appears to be uh, embedded between Clinton and uh, Trump. I, I don't see it making, I don't, I, I don't see it making any difference nationally. It might make a difference in a, in a couple of states, but even Johnson uh, has been held fairly steady in the national polls yeah. at around 15%. So he'll, he'll be in the debates, apparently. That was a uh... A little bit of a headline we heard is that, I guess, in preparation for the debates, they were telling him to prepare for three podiums. Yeah, and that could make a difference for him, uh, because he might look like the only 
you know, kind of normal person. Although there are a lot, there are lots of not normal things about Gary Johnson. Too. <laughs> totally. And I, I don't think people are going to take, pay a lot of attention to him. Yeah. You know, who knows? I mean, he, he's like I say, he's been very steady. And in some states, he make it may make a difference, but not in any states that are going to likely flip anything to Donald Trump. I mean, mm. if, if anything, he's going to be hurting Trump in in, uh, in yeah. a number of states. And I don't think Stein is going to be hurting. Uh, Clinton no. in any in any state, no, no state is close enough right now. Anyway, for that to, to make it matter. Difference. Well, Joe, we appreciate you and your great insight. Uh, thanks for being with us again. Great, let's talk to you next week. You bet. That's Joe Cannon. You can find out more about Joe and the work he's doing at uh, Fuel Freedom Foundation. Go to his website, fuelfreedom.org. Find out how he's trying to lower your fuel cost here in the United States. We will take a break, come back, wrap up this first hour of the program. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. It's my house, come on! Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Welcome back, friends. You know, when you can't get excited about the political world because you're wondering who, where are the leaders, for heaven's sakes? Who's going to lead us? Maybe a better place to look while you have them on television for the next week, one more week, would be the Olympics. And I I mentioned it earlier, but South Africa's Wade Van Niekerk um, broke Michael Johnson's 17-year-old 400-meter world record um, yesterday, I believe it was, to win the gold. Wonderful story about uh, about this incredible runner from South Africa, but also, I think more importantly, about his coach. And his coach uh, is a 75-year-old, I believe, woman that is that was kind of taking him on and all of the people that she was coaching, um, leading him as a almost as a grandmother slash mother figure slash coach. It's amazing to me that uh, that people are so willing for very little pay to go try to change people's lives to create a champion. And maybe what we're running into politically is we have made becoming a president of the United States so difficult that nobody wants to do it except the people you may not want to do it. Maybe the healthy, the happy, the the strong the the ones that um, that would love to contribute to their country, we're not even enticing them to want to become a part of our political process. Again, whether you like Romney or not, he was skilled. He had aptitude. He had a conscience. He had a desire. He and he got destroyed. His, and, and it and it makes it so if you can't get a fairly decent man or woman through. Without destroying their family, their you know their their sense of who they are, I'm telling you, we've got a problem. So a little homework assignment for all of us: we've got to figure out a way to make our political world something as enticing as uh, to want to change someone's lives as we're seeing in the Olympics with some of these coaches that spend so many hours guiding and coaching these uh, these young these young adults. Folks, something's got to change. Something's got to change, and it's got to start somewhere. Let's start it with ourselves. We'll take a break. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Stick with us, helping you see the good in the world.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to the program. It's Monday morning. For some, that's, you know, they dread that. They dread going back to work. We want to make it a little easier for you today. Today, by the way, is Relaxation Day. Ah. Do you feel better, Terry? After the show, when I relax. Is that when you relax? I relax when I don't work. You relax when you drive home. Well, there's some of that. It's kind of stressful with the people out there. There's a lot of there's a there, there are a lot of people on campus. It's BYU Education Week. The day twenty thousand people come to get educated, allegedly. Yeah, I've never been to any of these classes, so They're I don't know what's fantastic. going on. Fantastic, you will you would love it. Mm. You'd learn so much, mm. and they talk about everything uh, that you can imagine. I've seen the topics. I don't know if... They, they The problem with you, they wouldn't probably talk about stuff you want to talk about. Or the way I'd want to talk about it. That's the other problem. Yeah, that might be it. There are certain topics I'd like to Wait, I don't to think discuss, there's any class on Marvel Comics. There should be. There's but, a lot we can learn from them. The, there really is. There's a, there's a lot. So we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. We're going to get to today's Best Friends Day. We'll talk about best friends. Mm, best friends. At yeah. what point, as a grown man... Do you not have best friends anymore because you're married? Well, your spouse is your best friend always but and forever. For a man who is but, married yeah. to have a male best friend, at what point does that stop or does it stop? It's It stops a lot of times. Should it? Yeah. No, I don't know. Married men don't have best friends even if they're men, or is that just me? Yeah, I think that's just you, Jeff. Oh. Sorry. I mean, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but some men have best friend, men, men friends. Yeah. Some. They have guys to go hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to call mine a best friend. Is I that, just is like. A little awkward for you for I some just reason? Like, well, I, I make them, I don't want them to feel bad if I have other friends that are men that aren't my best friend. Mm. You know. Do you go on mandates? No. I have five boys. I have five sons. So. My children have now become more of my best friends. I even I have ranked my children one to five as far as my bestie to my worstie. Nice. Yeah. And that Are they rotates. aware of the rankings? Uh, yeah. Is it a we, competition we to see who can get to the top? We post them on the fridge. Okay. We're like, Daddy, I'm number one. It's always the youngest. That's of the, course. I love him to death. Yeah. Perfect. Because they still look at you as being something yeah. impressive. Where and the when rest they of need them money, like, it's like a buck or two. But yeah. my older kids, when they need money, like they need rent. Yeah, they need school loans or whatever. That's bad. It's tough. Yeah. We'll talk about best friends. We, we actually have put together our own little survey. Top best friends. Top five best friends. We'll get to that in a few moments. Uh, plus, also, um, who better to help us on family and, and life than Heather Johnson, one of our coaches. She's a professor here at Brigham Young University. She'll be talking about tips for strengthening your marriage, which you might need if you if you don't have a best friend and your marriage is struggling. Then you're really in trouble because mm. you'll be left without anything. That's true. Just letting you know. Get ready. We will get to all of that. But first, let's do the headlines. Who better to help us on the headlines than Caitlin Thomas? Caitlin? 
Republican National Committee officials have reportedly begun to consider the option of cut cutting funding to Donald Trump's campaign if he is unable to turn his poll numbers around by October. Members have privately held discussions about how the committee has done more for Trump's campaign than that of Mitt Romney as the political newcomer has more reliant on the RNC infrastructure. The RNC chairman has also reportedly been contacting Trump five to six times a day to attempt to coach him into a more steady candidate. Authorities in Milwaukee say a person was shot Sunday during a protest following the police-involved shooting of an armed black man during a traffic stop. There were about 150 people blocking an intersection and officers had to use an armored vehicle to reach the unidentified victim who was taken to the hospital. The skirmishes began on Saturday night after the shooting of Seville K. Smith. Six businesses burned down, 17 people have been arrested, and four officers were injured by flying glass and concrete. The federal emergency declaration in Flint as a result of a widespread water crisis is ending. Ended on Sunday, officials will continue to fix the water system and the state will now have to pay for bottled water and other supplies. Federal resources and monitoring will continue as they work on the problem. Elon Musk's private spaceflight company SpaceX launched a communications satellite into orbit early yesterday morning, its eighth successful flight in the last six months alone. The rocket which boosted the satellite into space was also successfully retrieved, landing on a drone ship off the coast of Cape Canaveral. SpaceX attempts to retrieve all its rockets so they can be refurbished and reused in a cost-saving measure, a goal the company has met in five of six launches since April. And lastly, Simone Biles added a third gold medal to her rapidly rising haul on Sunday, easily capturing the women's vault vault final. Biles' three golds in Rio are also the most by a female gymnast from the U.S. in one Olympics. Hmm. She will get a chance to add to her medal count when she competes in the balance beam finals today and the floor exercise finals tomorrow. Wow. So that's exciting. She's killing it. She's killing it. That's cool. Plus, again, carrying the name Simone, which is a big deal. We've been trying to teach or to get Terry to... Be willing to name his child Simone, but uh, for some odd reason, he's not liking it, which it makes no sense to me, Terry. Simone, multiple, multiple gold winner, possible four or five sweep she could get. I wanted Arsenal or the Huntress, and my wife said no to both. What's your wife's problem? I know. Arsenal. <laughs> and she's like, what are you reading? I go, they're comic book female superheroes. What are some other names of female superheroes that you I'd have to look up. There's one called Valkyrie, mm. but that's more with the Thor. Hey, Valkyrie, can you play? Yeah. I thought Valkyrie would be awesome. They sound like American gladiator names. Absolutely. Remember well, that show? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Thor. What were their names? We'll have to look those up. Thunder... Those might be some really great names. No, we've decided it's over. While we're looking those well, up, well, excuse me, she decided and told me that's how. Yeah, it works. that's yeah. true. Let's just re- let's just be real. <laughs> I don't have a choice. You have no. I'm say irresponsible in this. that way. So. Sure, you're the father, but you do not get a name of. But Arsenal, it's like, do you let your kid play with another child named Arsenal? Well, then at that point, you get to be selective who you uh, yeah. hang out with. How about Reaper? That'd be a good one. This is my child, Reaper. What about Tigress? Uh, no? That seems like a, I don't know, it's too... Aggressive? Yeah. Okay. Just stick with Phyllis and you're safe. Whatever happened to Phyllis? Or Marsha? Why not Marsha? Roberta? Yeah. Call her Bert. <laughs> hey, speaking of Bert, today, by the way, folks, is Best Friends Day. This is dedicated to you, Terry. That's great.
we're here for each other, Tara. Mm. That's what best friends do. Man, I'm tearing up. I didn't think I'd tear up. <sighs> best friends day, folks. Life wouldn't be the same without a best friend. They're the friends that can be counted on to be there at a moment's notice. The ones who love, laugh, support, and cherish in both good and bad times. It's almost like a marriage without the vows. So what we have done in, in order to uh, celebrate Best Friends Day, we've put together uh, the top five best friend, I guess, companionships. What do we call them? Friendships. And we have... We've 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 went through this with an, an extensive survey, the top five best friends and friendships. Are you ready? At number five, Bert Ernie? and Ernie. 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 Oh, oh, hang you on. Know, you, oh, know, yes, Bert. you know you're talking to a banana. All right, no, Bert. Actually, I'm talking to Gladys on a banana. Uh, could you excuse me? I'm back, Gladys. Gladys. Yeah, it was just Bert. Oh, those guys, Gladys. They just they're always just hamming it up. In the tub, scrub-a-dub-dub. Bernie with his unibrow. Bernie. Bert, excuse me, Bert. Was that Bert? Well, there was pictures when uh, Osama bin Laden was still kicking around. They they put him up, and then they'd put Bert next to him, and you're like, whoa. Whoa, now. like the same guy. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they're the same guy. So Bert and Ernie, great friendship, gone back for many, many years. Uh, I haven't heard much of them lately. Here's a clue for the number four spot on the friendship list. Huh, there, finished. Goodwill Hunting by Matt Damon. Hey, uh, you think we could put both our names on that? What? You've done nothing but eat briars for the last six months. Oh, that's ridiculous. Come on, I I helped. Ben Affleck. I helped. He helped. He yeah. helped, and Matt Damon. That's a good friendship. That was the beginning of bromance. That was the first time I ever heard the term bromance used. Mm. And the world has been better since. Mm, not really. Okay. Uh, another one, this was a friendship that we found quite intriguing hmm. because it's it wasn't between two like humans. And it's not a healthy relationship either. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an unhealthy friendship. Hmm. My precious. Kind of flummy. Mm. That was very flummy. Yeah. I think that was Gollum when he had a cold. More of an obsession. Uh, and Gollum's there. best friend would be the ring. Hmm. Great friends, though. That's good. I thought when that said, my precious, that sounded like uh, some of our producers. A little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sounds like old Ben when he's talking about ice cream. Hmm. Uh, finally, oh, no, we have two more. Uh, at number two, this is, this is a little strange because some, some, some may not think it. But at number two, best friends, we had Hillary and Bill Clinton. Hmm. Depends on the public appearance, I guess. I mean, right now, they, they're best friends. They We saw them hug uh, at the convention. They played with balloons afterwards. Yeah. They were seemed very surprised by the fact that balloons were around. They're a twofer. If you get one, you get two. You, Usually. You get one, you get one presidential candidate. It means you get two, really, hmm. because you get Donald, or you get Donald, not Donald, you get rid of Donald, but you get to keep Bill Clinton, and he'll... He'll help run the presidency as well. Right. I mean, as a, as a, just as a, that's what's assumed. Yes. Here is a little voice. Uh, this is Hillary talking about Bill. We ought to at least know each other's names. I'm Hillary Rodham. Who are you? And he says that he couldn't remember his name. That makes me feel so good when he says that. Um, 
Stuck him that when she met Bill. Oh, not right now. Couldn't even remember his name. He was so like, what? Not right now. <laughs> he's getting up there. No, he's fine. Okay, he's fine. My mom has met Bill Clinton, and she said he's a very warm, close man. Right. He's charming. Charming. Which is where that's kind of one of one of the attributes that got him to where he is today. Mm-hmm. He's charming. Number one of the best friendship list of all time. What? Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. Sonny and Cher. Sure, they divorced. Why, why are they the number one? They just got the, they just got the greatest song ever, and. This was one of the best television shows I remember watching as a child. Wow. Can anybody appreciate that I cued it up to the exact moment when Bill Murray's alarm clock goes off in Groundhog Day? (laughs) Isn't that weird? Every time. It's like you're you're inspired. Listen to this. This is what friends are for. To sing duets? To walk. To talk. To kiss goodnight. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah, that's where you lose the friend part. That turns into the marriage part. Right. And sure, their marriage collapsed. Yeah. But that's, I don't know. They were good friends. Right. That's friend music. I remember right after Sonny and Cher, I'd have to go to bed. Hmm. And then my sisters would walk around with their long, flowing hair. Right. Sometimes they'd hold me down. And brush their long hair over my face. Really? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. All right, well. So I can't stand hair today. Anyway, a salute to best friends. Today might be the day you want to call your best friend. Maybe put a little Sonny and Cher on the back, you know, back in the background and play have, it while you're talking background to background music when you call your friend? No, don't you do that? No, not really. I had one of my high school friends call me the other day. It was mm. really fun. It was cool to catch up. I found out we've got a 30th anniversary or 30-year reunion coming up next year. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you have just done the math and figured that out? No. Okay. No, the math was really hard. <laughs> 30 years since I graduated. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That shows you how old I'm getting. We got uh, a lot going on on this show. We are locked and loaded. Hmm. And Heather Johnson. She's here. She's here. She's, she's in entered the, the building. She's in the house. She'll give us tips on strengthening marriage. Then we're going to talk about five ways you're making your life harder than it really has to be. I believe that there's a good chunk of people's problems they cause themselves. Don't you think? Totally. From the people in my circle that I right. see that ends up with a problem, once you kind of figure out how they got to that point, you're like, well, if you would have not done this, then you would have avoided the problem. Get out of the get out of your own way. Yeah. Come on. We'll get to that up next. Stick with us, folks. Heather Ann Johnson coming up. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us, Heather Ann Johnson. She is uh, she's really one of our great contributors. She comes around, works at BYU here, is an adjunct faculty member here teaching um, tools and basically recreation for family, how to keep your family healthy. She put together an awesome website called familyvolley.com and has a book out, Family Fun Fridays, soon to be releasing Family Fun Saturdays through Thursdays. 
Who were working on it? I'd keep. I think I would keep. Um, I would probably keep Sundays less family, fun, <laughs> more family. Sleep. Focus. <laughs> we had the greatest night last night with our family. We um, we never use our backyard. Really? Because it our house faces the wrong direction, maybe. For the sun? For the sun. Okay. So we we have basically an oven in right. our backyard. Sure, sure. So we don't go out there. Well, we've lost three kids' friends. <laughs> um, to the sun. But last night we went out there. It was cool. It was nice. Our grandchild was there. It was so fun. We were playing. We were, we were playing. Have you ever played spike ball? Uh, yeah, kind of like a little trampoline. It's a little trampoline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, with the ball. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tons of fun. Yep. And, you know, low-key... Not a lot of sweating going on. No one died. No one died. No one died. Family time. And then we thought, why don't we do this more often? Sure. That's what families should do, right? That's what you got to do. <clears throat> Be and best you, friends. You've got a whole book full of activities for families. Right. Stuff you can do just like that. Man. Fun, exciting, easy, really easily Simple. Accessible. Simple. And nobody died. And no one dies. You you go to familyvolley.com. You can, you can get her book there. It's so good. It's so good, you guys. Seriously. So Heather's here today, though, not talking families, but talking about marriage, which eventually could bring a family. Absolutely. Well, and Best Friends Day. Yes. Who better to be best friends with than your spouse? Don't you think? Abs- well, I know. The research Absolutely. shows that, right? <clears throat> it does show the that. The better the friendship, the better the marriage. Right. So we're going to do lots of things today. Some you've heard. We're going to do some research behind it so you understand what you can do. Okay. Hit us, Heather. What? What are some of the what are some of the rules, the tools, the what's the what's the key to to keeping the marriage on track? To keep us strong, right? So, let's do one that we hear sometimes, maybe not always, but the first one I'm going to throw out there is we have to put our kids to bed on time. Hallelujah. Now, yes. here's what's funny. Oftentimes couples will come to me and they'll say, "Oh my gosh, we don't have time for each other. How can we strengthen our marriage when we don't have any time?" And when I give them this suggestion, they scoff at me usually and then look at me like, what in the world does our kid's bedtime have to do with my husband and I becoming a stronger married couple? Well, if you will put your kids to bed on time, it guarantees you time with your spouse every single day. If Now, here's a key, too. You got to put them to bed in their bed. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Right. In their bed, not at 11 at night. We're talking an early bedtime, which is needed for them, right? So get them in early. The problem is we think about bedtime and we think, oh, it's so much work and I don't want to put in that work and find another half hour or fine. I don't want the, you know, hassle and the crying and the wine. But if you will set a standard bedtime that's appropriate for your children, then it guarantees that they're in bed on time and you have probably at least two plus hours every single Mm. day with your spouse. So really you're doing the bedtime for the kids to create space and time for you as a couple. That's exactly right. And I do it for them, but I'll tell you, I also selfishly do it for our marriage too. And so I know regardless of how busy it's been, regardless of what's on our plate, my husband and I, we usually get about three hours every night just Man, when do you put your kids to bed? Like five? No, they go. Well, we still have some small kids. So by yeah. 730, yeah. everyone's in bed and the bigger kids are always in bed by nine. And so it gives us a good solid oh, couple so hours. Great. So if you want to look at a place where you can immediately start to find time for one another, right? Because we think, well, I want time together, but what do I weed out? I need this still. I have to work. I have to exercise. I've got to this. 
start right there. Right. Get your kids to bed on time and make time for your spouse every single night. So and that's our first one. They'll learn to do it. And what's amazing, too, is they would also get in this habit. Right. And so you can put forth the effort, just like anything with parenting and with right. families. You can put forth that effort up front and get it taken care of and done. Or you can go all night long. Mm-hmm. Or you can suffer for a really long time. But it seems like if you if you put them to bed, then it, you, you have to then make it a priority to be together because it would be easy for both of you to go your separate ways. Sure. Facebook, video games, Netflix, whatever. Lots of different things, right? And we'll talk about the best types of activities to choose in a little bit, but it's really important that you somehow carve cool. out space. And so start there. Start right there. Decide Very to make basic. a commitment cool. to do it. Super basic. Yeah. Another thing, and I, I look at these two as really a w- ways that we can kind of a fair-proof our marriage too. If you're doing these things constantly and and conscientiously, it really does put you in a really safe place where affairs are not going to be part of your relationship. Yeah. And it helps to a fair-proof your marriage because you're spending right. this time together and doing these things. So another one is it's time to reset our standard of beauty when it comes to our spouse. If we want to be best friends with them, if we want to have a stronger marriage, we have to make a decision that whatever our spouse looks like is the hottest, <laughs> best-looking thing there Hot can hit. be. It's exactly yeah. right. So my husband is 6'4", and I'm here to tell you that 6'4 is the best it is the for best. a man. It's such it a is. great height. He has brown hair, and brown hair is the the best. He <laughs> sneezes really loud. And you know what? Unless you sneeze yeah. loud, you are not hot. You're like you're not you're not even, not even half hot. You're you're not. You yeah. it, it's it's a characteristic for him that makes him so attractive and so fantastic to me. If we're not in a mental mindset where we have decided to reset our standard of beauty so that our spouse is the best in all of those ways, we're setting ourselves up for trouble. Aren't we being Delusional though, like so. Let's say your husband had a little pooch, sure, or a big pooch, but it's the coolest pooch ever. Like, and you're like, oh, I love a pooch. Um, but what? What if? What if you don't? Because I have clients that they just don't, right? And the problem is, and then it, it, all of a sudden, it's like they're so they're looking at everyone else's. Right. Pooch and, comparing. and comparing. Right. Don't compare pooches is we, what you're saying. It's exactly right. Don't compare anything. In fact, if you're going to compare, you have to do it the other way. Everyone has to be compared to my husband, not my husband to those people. Mm. And so I have to take a step back and say, wait a second. You are not. Your hair is not nearly. You're not this. Your pooch is not nearly as great. You have as to his. find the negative. Right. You have to go the other direction. If comparison yeah. is your, you know, Achilles heel, right. then you've got to compare everyone to your spouse instead of your spouse to everyone else. There's also this place where let's all face it none of us are perfect physically any other way so let me tell you i sure am really glad that he accepts where i falter to and so he finds whatever i've got as his as his most attractive because at some point you were attracted right so absolutely if you're no longer attracted then something's changed right and people always say well i've fallen out of love but you've probably fallen out of a lot of things right like thinking about them positively and looking for ways to to find the love. Right. And so we start to choose. We start to choose to look at all the other things yeah. instead of our spouse. That's so cool. we have to reset that standard. That's our responsibility. It's a it's a decision we make. It's a decision to still find our spouse attractive and beautiful and to stop comparing the wrong direction. Yeah. And we have to do that if we want a strong marriage. We have to it's, reset that. It's funny. Um, but like if our spouse isn't, if they're not taking care of themselves, what do we do? 
well, this is different. Now we're talking about a health issue, yeah. right? We're not talking about the fact that my neighbor is hotter than you. That's, right. that's a totally right. different issue. Or that, you know, I'm lusting after someone, you know, who lives down the street or who I see on television or I'm fantasizing. That's a different issue than, you know, sweetheart, I want you to be here till you're 100. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really hard for you to play with the kids and be involved and you don't feel good and it's affecting your heart. Let's take care of it. That's it's important. It's yeah. very different. Yeah. So our mental mindset when it comes to that, it's really resetting that. And and those are even extra, you know, situations. But really, if we're not careful, we just need to make sure that we're putting our spouse first in all areas, including being mm-hmm. attracted to them. Right. Is it, uh, it, it seems so easy for us as a partnership to, to maybe look away and compare and look at other people, never even mentioning it to our spouse, but looking, th- that's a sign of something, right? So if if you're shopping right, and comparing and, and finding yourself seeing your partner less attractive, what what do I do? How do I stop doing it? Well, really, you're going to tell yourself to stop. Which is rate a great, it. right a great cognitive behavior therapy where you literally say in your mind, stop, stop, and you start to recognize that you are doing those things. Mm-hmm. Once you recognize it, really yell at yourself to knock it off and take a step back and decide: Is this a rational thought? Well, no, it's this isn't a rational thought, and replace it with a thought that is rational. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we're finding our, ourselves comparing. We're finding ourselves thinking, man. That guy over there, or I wish this, or mm-hmm. well, that's that's not rational. I'm not married to that man. Right, he's not my best friend. That's not your life. He, that is not my life, and that is not the situation I'm in, and that is not the type of forward-thinking marriage or affair, or that's not what I want my future. This is my future, mm-hmm. and so once we recognize it's a it's an irrational thought, replace it with a rational thought. And move forward. And make it better. That, that way you're leading your life, right? right? You're not living in la-la land. Right. But be very clear. Stop yourself. Yeah. We, we do it. I mean, it, when we're looking at behavior therapy, it's it's something we have to do all the time when we find ourselves thinking irrationally. That's an irrational thought. When I start to fantasize or think that direction towards mm-hmm. someone else. Stop it. Stop it! And fill it with something that's rational. I like that. Right? That's very good. What's <laughs> number three? So another one. Let's do... Uh, Research shows us that entropy, we know what entropy is, right? Yeah. The steady disintegration of anything that's not taken care of, right? Right, our, right? Like we were talking about, our bodies, they go to pot if we don't take care of oh, them. Yeah. Our cars, if we're not constantly maintaining, keeping their oil. Our homes, any, our yard, our yard, oh goodness. Oh. Just like that, right? right? You don't mow for two weeks and, you know, we now Jungle need a fever. tractor. It's right. exactly right. And so it's the exact same way with our marriages. Entropy will naturally set in and it doesn't take a month. It happens instantly if we're not continuously putting forth energy and effort into our marriage. One of the best ways, in fact, William Doherty, a family researcher, he has shown that one of the best ways to avoid marital entropy, so our marriage is disintegrating, is talking 15 minutes every day. What? Now, here's the thing. That is such a small number. We will all waste We've already wasted. It's what, 9.30, 8.30 in the morning here in Utah. We've wasted 15 minutes somewhere. Oh, yeah. Or we could have found it. So by the end of the day, there is 15 minutes we can put towards our spouse. He says that 15 minutes of talking daily is the surest antidote to marital entropy. Find it. Do whatever you have to do. Mm -hmm. This is not yelling at one another. This is not pointing out what you don't like about one another. This is not worrying about bills. This is really communicating. If you will do that, it saves, starts to save your marriage. On the assessments I use when I'm bringing people and they're filling out the assessment to come talk to me, one of the questions asks how many hours a week they speak, they talk to each other. Uh 
And it's, I think it's a little delusional because it's like 10 hours, you know, not eight to 10 hours is really healthy. Right. Which I don't know that they're really doing eight to 10 hours. Right. Because <laughs> they're in your office. Yeah. <laughs> but anytime I see uh, like zero to three hours. Right. Trouble. There's major trouble. Always. Every single time. There, there's, there's trouble. N- there's no other way to be a strong married couple if you're not. Right. Talking to one another mm-hmm. and, and touching base and communicating. Right. And so we're not, you know, sitting here and Doherty's not telling us this monument. He didn't say four hours yeah, a day. He, he didn't. didn't even say one. 15 minutes of talking daily. And that's so easy just if you're having dinner. Absolutely. How was your day? Right. And he gives us some great ways to do it. Things that we hear from the research all over where one carve time out from something else. Mm -hmm. And he also suggests making better use of our time. Right. Which is what you're talking about here. We have to put food in our bodies to live. Right. Do it at the same time in the same place. Mm. Find a way to eat together. You know, we get up in the morning, usually at about the same. Find a way to sit around with your coffee for 15, whatever it might be. At the same time. Yeah. So really simple, really straightforward. I love that. I love that. Stephen Covey used to get on his trail bike, like anytime he and his wife had a serious discussion, Uh they'd hop on a little tiny trail bike, like a trail 70 or something. And she'd sit on the back and they'd just drive around the neighborhood. Until they worked it out. Until they worked it out. And it was, to me, that would be really cool because eye to eye, when you're, when it's intense, it's no it's, good. Yeah. So if I could be like distracted a little bit by driving, because I can multi, not multitask, but I can communicate better by being stimulated too. So it's, you just got to find your way to make the time. Right. And every time she just say, honey, you got to get home. We, we need a trail ride. We and, need to go for a ride. And all that meant, sometimes it just meant she needed to vent uh-huh. and it wasn't even about him. These kids. Time cool. together. Right. Yeah. And so. And I know you love motorcycles. I love well, I do. Newfound love, (laughs) which is one of our points, right? To love what your spouse loves if you want to strengthen your marriage. But if we talk about this trail bike riding, there's actually, again, a body of research that suggests that talking and walking for the exact same reasons you just mentioned is very powerful. If I need to talk to my husband about something, walking is the best place to do it. Because like you said, if I say to him, can we talk? He looks at me like, ah, what? Because (laughs) it becomes like men men don't usually see talking as a goal. Right. It's just something you do. It's a it, well, you it's have a secondary to, right? of things. And so if the goal is let's go on a walk, it's then different. talking is palatable. It can, it's exactly right. And yeah. plus, like you said, we're not sitting eye to eye, right? Yeah. When we have to sit on a couch two feet from each other or two inches and, you know, you don't know yeah. where to look. Do I look at you in the eyes? Do it's I look intense. down? If I look away, it, it, nothing. Why did you good. roll your <laughs> eyes? <laughs> I, no. I didn't. So true. In fact, I had a couple not too long ago. They had a major discussion over rolling eyes. And just as a funny side note, he said, I don't roll my eyes. It's just a very long blink. It's a long blink. It's a long blink. And she said, well, your long blink is killing our marriage. <laughs> you long blink kill me. That's crazy. But when we That's talk crazy. and walk, we also have this very, uh, we have a, a self con- or a subconscious similar goal, right? We're going in the same direction. We're headed the same way. So it tells our brains that whatever it is we're discussing, we can solve yeah, because we'll we're, we're in this, right? We're yeah. going the same way. We don't have to look at one another. It just takes all the stress out. It also has a really handy timer on it, it because does. it's got to stop. And plus, there's not probably going to be yelling and screaming 
in your neighborhood, right, right. down your street. So if things do get yeah. tricky or heated, yeah. you're not going to freak out. Walk right in a in public pu- place. It's exactly right. The mall. Go once to the you mall. Trust, once you have really high trust, <laughs> then you can walk in the backwoods. Right. In, in a less public place. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, Hatch, stick with us. More with Heather Ann Johnson from the website familyvolley.com. Go check out her site. We'll be back talking families and marriage, especially tips for strengthening your marriage. We'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend Show in studio with us, Heather Johnson. And uh, Heather is the, an author of Family Fun Fridays, which you can buy at familyvolley.com. If you go to her website, familyvolley.com, uh, you can also find her on Twitter at Pen and Paper Girl. She really likes old fashioned calligraphy, writing. My wife is getting way into that. Is she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. She just, she wrote, because we have quotes on my Facebook page and she wrote one, hand wrote a quote, put it up there, and I think it had like 600,000 views. Good for her. That means she's control. gotten good. Well, it means her handwriting's the bomb. It is the bomb. She, her handwriting is like a typewriter. Is it? Mm-hmm. That's it really cool. is. That's it's, really cool. And the weird thing is when she's like, tick, 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 whenever she writes. <laughs> she even makes the sound? Totally weird. <laughs> that is it, that It's is a little weird. freaky. But, but you love that about her. That's what I love about her. That's what her. you love about her. <laughs> like, oh, they're like, what's that noise? I'm like, that's my wife typing. <laughs> I mean, writing. I yeah, mean, I mean, handwriting. Just love it. We just all love it. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> so, Hadge, uh, you've been married how long? 15 years. 15 years. They, whenever they introduce me, they're always like, Matt and his wife have been happily married for 25 years. And in my head, I'm like, oh, it's more like 24 <laughs> and a half. And a half. Yeah, there was, there was some rough six months yeah, right there, there in the middle. Always, there's there there's got to be the rough times to enjoy the beautiful times. Right. It's exactly right. And, and to learn. Would those make us stronger? Right. It's getting through them. If it doesn't kill you, it right. makes you stronger. There's a song about that. There is a song. Sonny and Cher sing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. So what um, What are some more tools that we need to pay attention to? You've already taught us, put the kids to bed. You know, make sure that your spouse's looks at, you know, their, their type of body, hair, that, abilities, gifts, yeah. talents, that you always see that those are your favorite. You, right. you make that intentional. And then you talked about marriage entropy. So we, we don't want to fall into entropy. So instead, we follow Brother Doherty's ba- uh, ideas about 15 minutes of talking a day. Right, right. So a couple other things that are really powerful here. I always teach couples that fatigue does not fuel passion. So true. So very true. So and so true. this leads into really a whole body where, I mean, you could do hundreds of shows on the need for married couples to be intimate. Yeah. There is just no way around it. It is a powerful and important part of your relationship. But instead of going, you know, so much that way, really, we need to focus on the fact that one of the main reasons why couples aren't is because they're just really tired. You're so tired. And fatigue does not fuel passion. And no. so it's time to rethink your calendar, rethink your priorities, and Help your family, help your relationship so that you're not so tired that that can't be part of it. And some of that is healthy. Like 
the research shows couples that work out together, couples that exercise, that are active together, have uh, more intimacy in their life, Absolutely. have more physical connection and attraction. Right. One, it provides that energy and that stimulus. And two, they feel better about them, their bodies. Yeah, you're so looking hot. You're, you're more willing to do that. I know when this is an issue with couples, my suggestion for them when it comes to intimacy is that each spouse needs to instigate once a week. I like that. And so that's always where I put them. It's here's your challenge once a week. Usually the men are like, sweet. And the wives are like, what? What? That's <laughs> but twice. we get to a place where if you're each instigating, then everyone feels that love. Yeah. And so that's what you're trying to do. Because a lot of times you'll get the complaint, mm. she never it's initiates, exactly. she never touches me. Yeah. That's exactly right. So remember, though, that fatigue is not going to help you mm. in that. So fatigue doesn't fuel passion. Something to remember. Like my schedule, for example, I go to bed at nine. Sure. Early. We, we were out playing in the backyard and at about 9.15, I'm like, well, grandpa's got to go to bed. <laughs> your granddaughter's crazy. still playing. Exactly. Right, Everybody's still playing. But I'm thinking if I don't go to bed, if I don't get my time, then then I lose, then I get exhausted. Absolutely. If I get exhausted, no one's going to be happy. It's exactly right. And it's not just if mama ain't happy, yeah. nobody's happy, if but it's dad's happy. too. It is. It's true. Yeah. Other things we can do here that are really important. It's time to start making our routines rituals. Mm -hmm. Now, a ritual is a meaningful pattern of interaction. So this is something that has meaning or significance that you do together. It's repeated, meaning you do it more than once. And there's some sort of uh, coordination to it, meaning there's enough thought to put it together. What we tend to do is we tend to think that there's not enough time or ways for us to connect in rituals each day with our spouse. And that's not true. If you want to have a strong marriage, there needs to be rituals, these meaningful interactions each and every day more than once. Right. So the suggestion always for couples as I work with them is to first take a step back and instead of thinking, well, do we need to take up a new hobby? How are we going to add more to our lives? They're too busy. I want you to simply take things that you already do and add meaning to them so that instead of being a routine, they become a ritual, which is a meaningful interaction. Yeah. Uh, a very silly example of this, when my husband and I first got married, one night I was in graduate school and I went to bed really late and I walked into the bathroom and he had put toothpaste on my toothbrush for me. Wow. Now, at the time we'd been married like three weeks, it's that, oh, I, he's I mean, it just- That is so cute. It was so cool. But he did it the next night and every night as I, you know, worked through my thesis and was uh, every night I'd walk in and toothpaste was on my toothbrush. Now, brushing my teeth is not meaningful to me. I do it because I don't like bad breath and I don't like the dentist. That yeah. Really. Two, two things you're trying to avoid. It's exactly right. But as soon as we added that meaning, he did that. All of a sudden it became so significant and our routine turned into a ritual. So 15 years later, the ritual still stands that whichever one of us gets to the bathroom first always puts toothpaste on the other person's toothbrush. Oh, It is a cute. very small way where we connect every single day. I know that I've taken a minute to think about him or he's taken a minute to think about me. Right. So add meaning to what you're already doing, right? Does your husband or your wife, you know, eat the same cereal every morning? Get it out and put it on the counter. Make some sort of meaningful connection that you do each day. Send the text every day at lunch, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very simple simple things, but take what you're already doing that's routine and turn it into a ritual by adding meaning. Because it's it's happening. I mean, if you routinely, everyone, like a lot of couples have those weird ways of holding hands in a right. weird way or Saying phrases. hello or goodbye, right. all, all those things. That's cool. Right? That's good. So it's, it's a really powerful way. And your goal is really at least three a day, three of those connections three, each yep, day. Three, yeah. If you can get to five, 
or seven or 20. I mean, whatever you can do. Yeah. But once you drop below three, you're really putting yourself in a position where it's not repeated enough that it matters on the right. daily basis. So that's, that's cool. really important. A couple other ones we'll throw out there. I'm a huge advocate of closing the door on any old flames you might have. Yeah, shut them. Shut them down. If you want your marriage to be successful, it is time and to be stronger, it's time to get rid of that. Oftentimes when something's tough at home, we jump on social media and, you know, before we know it, we've made those connections again. If there's no way around it or if it's a relationship you want to keep, the suggestion then is to keep those old flame relationships together instead yeah. of as an, as an individual. As a couple. Sometimes you're in places where you can't avoid the fact that you still live in the same city as somebody you dated 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so if those are interactions or, you know, you're on social, whatever it is that you're going to have, if you can't close the door completely, then make sure that any open doors are together instead of by yourself. And I'm always like, don't connect, like, don't go connect with them on Facebook because one of the problems with the old fling is that the old chemistry right. is still connected, right? right? So having the thoughts and then the connection, the the chemistry is a lot faster to come back. Absolutely. Especially if all of a sudden something at home isn't so fantastic yeah. or you disagreed over motorcycles mm-hmm. or whatever it might. Right. And the next thing you know, that's where you're seeking out that comfort. Don't confide so close in them. the old yeah. Yeah. Close, close those them. doors. Shut them. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, it, we ta- we began today talking a little bit about doing things together. One of the best ways to strengthen our marriages is to do things together. Now, that doesn't mean movies and TV. There's a huge body of research that is so powerful that supports one outside activities with our spouse bring more ser- more marital satisfaction than things we do inside. It lets us leave distractions behind. And on top of that, it suggests that we need to do joint activities together instead of individual or parallel. Hmm. Individual are things we do without our spouse. Parallel represents a false front. We're with our spouse, but there's no communication or interaction. This is TV. This is movies. This is those sedentary sit in front of a box, stare at the same screen. Yeah. If we want our marriages to be successful, every time across the board, research shows the same thing. Joint activities where there's communication and cooperation, that is what will make us a stronger couple. Boom. So instead of, you know, going to our go-to Netflix because it's easy, we're going to have to put forth a little more effort. But even a walk will bring more strength to our marriage than sitting in front of a movie and watching it. So go for those joint activities. The joint activities at the highest level. And and sometimes that means you have to quit – being a certain type of person. Right. Like sometimes I, I've had people say, well, I don't, I'm not a movie person or I'm not a TV person. Right. And the other's like, well, I'm not a walker. Right. Well, then find Somebody a third to, party, exactly. right? You got to do something different. Right. And we oftentimes feel like we're choosing, like, well, I'm choosing his or he never chooses yeah. mine. So don't choose anybody's. Choose something Create totally something brand, brand new. new that's just the two of you. And be willing, be open, right? I if we it. want our marriages to be strong, we have to be willing to take those risks right. for the reward. That's right. Heather Ann Johnson's her name. Go check out her website, uh, familyvolley.com. Family volley, like a tennis volley. Familyvolley.com. You can also go look at her book, Family Fun Fridays. Good stuff. Heather, thanks. Appreciate you. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to hour number three of the program. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side, giving you the information you need to grow healthier, happier lives. Top of the morning to you. We also try to do it in a, in a way uh, that's a little more 
I guess lighthearted. Because life uh, seems pretty complicated. All you got to do is turn on the news and find out the next Donald Trump quote. Now he wants to do what, Terry, with visas? He has a foreign policy speech coming out later today. He's going to deliver another teleprompter speech. Those are the best. His campaign must be excited about. Yeah. They must be like, oh, good. We get another good media. Will he do it? He's done fairly well. Yeah. He's able to stay on message and all that stuff, but we'll see what happens. But he's talking about suspending visas. Okay. Now, visas are the number one way that people get into the country uh, and then they overstay their visa and then they they stay here illegally. Right. That would actually stop more immigration problems than the wall, allegedly. But there's still a wall. But they're still going to do all. So he okay. says he'll propose suspending visas from countries with a history of exporting terrorism and from which the U.S. cannot thoroughly vet potential immigrants. Okay. Additionally, Trump will call for an ideological test for those looking to enter the U.S., including questions about candidates' beliefs on religious freedom, gender equality, gay rights, and a search of social media accounts. Interesting. Okay. Which they're not going to, they're always going to answer truthfully on those questions. Okay. Have you ever been part of a terrorist group? Uh, Not once. No, except for yesterday. It was actually five times. So, <laughs> but never once. Okay, so he's he's going to have big announcements about his foreign policy, and he's, I bet he'll have a foreign policy team. Do you Probably. Think, do you think that will be part of the announcement? I don't know. Well, whenever he speaks off the teleprompter, his message is clear. He gets all his points out. Yeah. And it's not intermingled, intermingled, it's not misunderstood, Mm -hmm. it's not the media taking words that are obviously one way and applying, you know, horrible meaning so that he loses his, well, he's supposed to have a 20% lead on Hillary Clinton right now. That's what he said on Twitter yesterday. Oh, really? He's supposed to be up by 20%, but the media is pulling Mm -hmm. him down. Right. Darn media. (laughs) They need to get off him. Well, okay, so I'm sure... There will be more fun for all of us to hear about this afternoon once that uh, he does have that speech. We'll get to that. we got a lot on the show today. We'll be talking with Kim Giles, who is a popular life coach, author, and speaker from ClarityPointCoaching.com. We'll be talking to her, finding out, uh, you know, the latest and greatest, what we need to learn to be healthier, happier people. Also, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Get a little take on their view of the Olympics. Plus, our hero of the day story, of course, and a lot of headlines. A lot of headlines. In fact, would you ever believe a shooting would take place over hummus? Yeah. Between between two men. Plus, a father and son kind of a little uh, tiff over pot plants. We'll get to that news as well. But first, let's get to the headlines with Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin, what's up? Thanks, Matt. Ukrainian anti-corruption investigators in Kyiv say they have found the name of Donald Trump's campaign chairman in a secret ledger they left behind by the former president. The ledger reportedly shows $12.7 million in undisclosed cash payments meant for Paul Manafort from the former president's political party from 2007 to 2012. Investigators say the document detailing cash payments is proof of an illegal scheme of kickbacks and bribes that includes election officials in addition to Manafort. Although it's no secret that Manafort worked for the former Ukrainian president, the cash payments designated for him have not previously been reported. 
Again, mentioning the speech later today in Ohio, Donald Trump will give a speech on foreign policy focusing on his strategy to to defeat the Islamic State. Um, Senator Senior Advisor Stephen Miller said Sunday that Trump's vision will be grounded in foreign policy realism, painting the battle against radical Islamic terrorism as being as serious as the Cold War, with Trump willing to work with any Middle Eastern country willing to join the fight against ISIS. Trump is also expected to tighten his original proposal to ban all Muslims, but adding an ideological test for people wanting to enter the country. A small plane flying from Florida to Oxford, Mississippi, crashed while attempting to land in Alabama yesterday, leaving six people dead. The pilot issued a distress signal over engine problems around 11 a.m., and the plane went down shortly after, falling short of a runway at um, a regional airport. Firefighters rushed to the scene but were unable to save anyone on board. And lastly, Matt, for today... Yesterday in Rio, Jamaican sprinter Usain Bolt became the first person to win three consecutive Olympic 100-meter titles, earning the gold medal with a time of 9.81 seconds. The win gave Bolt his seventh overall Olympic gold. Justin Gatlin of the United States came in second with .08 seconds behind Bolt. So that's exciting. It's electrifying. Did you see the race? Bolt, Yes. he was like smiling the whole time he runs. But you know what? It seemed like he started kind of slow and then... It's really crazy. Once these guys stand up and start running, unbelievable. It's, yeah, so exciting for Jamaica. That is way exciting for Jamaica. They had a, yeah, they had a great, I don't know what it is, man. It's running around that island. I don't know what it is, man. There you go. They're running around the island. I know. I I wasn't even thinking that at first. (laughs) Then I'm like, I got to go Jamaican, man. That is cool. My kids love watching him run. I think it's the gold shoes. I was thinking about getting myself a pair, but I don't know what you wear gold with. Is he still wearing those? Yeah. All right. Apparently Michael Phelps is continuing his announcement that he's going to retire. He is. He he is officially going to retire now. He talked about it yesterday. Nobody believed him. Then he went on the Today Show and said it again. I'd believe the guy. He got out of that. He, he, he looked like me getting out of a pool after swimming for the first time. When? When after he won his 22nd gold medal. So how did he look like you? Because it took him 10 minutes to get out of the pool. Okay. I thought you were, you, you do I this usually, thing where you try to compare yeah. physiques. And no, it's not physique. It's not working. No. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you sort of creaked out of the pool like you yeah. would. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. what I do is I just swim to the shallows and then I just slowly work my way up step by step until I just roll myself Then they back that the truck deck. up yeah. with the hook and beep, crane beep, and beep. help you out. Just do some shadow boxing in front of him. That'll be enough to That'll intimidate get him, him ticked off. That's all you got to do. That gives him that face. Hey, uh, we've got to talk about getting people ticked off. Let's go to the bad boys section of the show. Bad boys, bad boys. What's it going to do? On the show, we are an equal opportunity coach. We, only, we don't just coach those that are the non-felons. We also like to coach the felons in how to be a healthier felon. An Ohio man shot his dad and a deputy. Ow. You shot me! (laughs) A 19-year-old man allegedly shot at an Ohio sheriff's deputy and his father after a fight over hummus. A hummus fight, according to the prosecutor's office. Mohammed uh, Lagui was indicted Tuesday in uh, June 9th shooting. Lagui shot... Uh, his dad, and then wounded deputy Katie Barnes the second time she responded to a domestic violence call at his house. The deputy spoke to the two men 45 minutes.
But when they didn't cooperate or want to file charges, um, she left. And then she was called back nearly an hour later. And when she got there, they fired an AK-47 assault rifle at her. I mean, it makes you wonder, who wants to be a cop, for heaven's sakes? Our goal is, though, our hope is that eventually the three of them can get back together, take a little moment, and maybe sing this now famous song. Because you know I'm all about that pace, about that pace, that hummus. I'm all about that pace, about that pace, that hummus. I'm all about that pace, about that pace, that hummus. I'm all about that pace, about that pace, pace, You gotta pace, love pace. the taste. Yeah, it's pretty clear. This ain't no Thai food, but I can dip it. Who wouldn't sing the hummus song? Like it's all about it's that pace, folks. We, we're hoping that it actually brings together these people. Instead of taking him apart and shooting. Ah, another story, crazy story. Dad torches pot plants, and guess who calls him on? Uh, calls the cops? His son. A young man from Australia got into it with his dad Tuesday night and ended up placing a phone call that poli- has police shaking her heads, the Guardian reports. When cops showed up at the Humpty Doo home in Northern Territory. That's hum- his name. Humpty Doo. Uh, <laughs> could be worse. Uh, the indignant and enraged son threw his dad under the bus for what he saw as the ultimate crime, chucking his prized cannabis plants into a bonfire. He torched them, folks. Wow. Look at those things burn, would you? Why are all those officers still standing around the fire? They ought to move away. They're going to... Oh, boy. He seemed to believe that the destruction of the pot was far worse than the possession of it. Officer Luis Jorgensen says that, uh, you know, you, you can't grow pot. You can't. Yeah. So torching it, probably, you know, the evidence has now been destroyed, as has the son's reputation. Crazy, crazy story there. Also, uh, another a weird one. Let's just say you win the lotto. Okay. Uh, officials say a New Jersey woman found a winning lottery ticket worth more than $470,000. Really? Yeah. And she found it while she was preparing her taxes. Oh, that's a good time to find it, I yeah. guess. The state lottery announced last week that Yocasta Boyer found her New Jersey Cash 5 ticket from the April 15, 2015 drawing and was able to file her claim about two weeks before the ticket had expired. Hmm. So it's on your taxes. Yeah. Is it this year's taxes or next year's taxes? Because uh, it would be last year. It would be on this year's taxes. So she'll have to use that money to pay her taxes. So on the exact taxes she's filling out, she has to Pay for declare. next year's taxes. Wow. Isn't that great? Talk about getting an accountant. Maybe the sad thing is she's going to pay most of it in taxes. Yeah. It's usually around like 40, 50% depending on where you're at. But when you're doing your taxes, how cool would that be to have all of a sudden just 500000 in cash available right. to pay your taxes? Sure. Someone's looking out for, I don't think it's... Then that line that says, do you want to you know, donate to a political party? Like, no. No way. Are you kidding? Even though you have more money, you're These still like, no. tax me. Absolutely not. Would you ever pay $350,000 for a uh, Colorado ghost town? Mm, no. Not in the market for a Colorado ghost town, but thanks. Why? Not interested. 
It's kind of creepy. There's many things in life I would like to have. A ghost town is not one of them. This, Sounds like there's infrastructure issues. Does this music sound familiar to you? Just this is a famous, music. this is music from a very famous place. You don't know where? No. Jeffrey? Where's this music from? Creek in doorless chambers. Does that help you? And strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. You ever been to where Disneyland? Sure, not their haunted house, though. Where the air it's not a house, it's a mansion. Whichever. So this is a music from a haunted mansion. When ghosts are present, <laughs> practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. I'm scared. You can, if you want to, go on Craigslist. You can buy an entire ghost town for 350 grand. That lady that just bought won the lotto, she yeah. got to get herself a ghost town. But what for? What would you do with a ghost town, man? Scare people for money. You have them come in, give us your money. We'll scare you. It works at Disneyland. There's not ghosts in the town. Yes, there. It's just a town that no one has lived in for a while, so they call it a ghost town. You're, you're equating that. You're, you're, you're assuming that they're purchasing ghosts. There's no ghosts there. How do you know? They wouldn't call it a ghost town if there weren't ghosts. They do. They call it that all the time. It's called Cabin Creek. It's located east of Denver, and it includes an old service station. With a large garage, a cafe, a motel, like the Bates Motel. It's not like that. But it could be. A small <laughs> house and a private shooting range. Hello. And an RV parking area. It if you have, have a, a big family, it you want to start a, a business? Yeah. It does huh? have a private shooting range. That's a plus. It's a ghost town. Mm. I don't know if ghost town really is what you think it's it is. It's a ghost Puebla. <laughs> So you call it a Pueblo. I don't know what you call it, but it's a ghost one. Sure, there aren't. You may not know if there's ghosts there yet. Yeah. You're hoping for ghosts. But all you got to do put out put on Craigslist looking for ghosts. Come our way. It's only three hundred fifty grand. Plus, you got a park RV parking area, shooting range. It's a lot of fun for the family. It, it sounds like the uh, the good kind of uh, structure for a KOA. That's the perfect KOA. <laughs> you know what you could call it? The DOA. Ooh. The dead on arrival. Wow. Turned dark? Just went a weird place. Yeah. We're, we're here trying to help you find the good. In the we're just trying to get someone to sell that town off Craigslist. I think it's a really cool thing. And now they're marketing it as a ghost town. There you go. You want oil? There's no cemetery, though. you got to have a good cemetery. You, build, you just build a cemetery. Really? Just throw in some headstones uh -huh. for good measure? All right. Yep. I promise it'll work. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, Kim Giles will be joining us. She will be talking to us about how to parent a difficult child. If you've got uh, if you've got a special one that's hard to you know hard to deal with, you're going to want to listen to us. Kim Giles coaching the difficult child. Up next, we'll be back. As the moon climbs high over dead oak trees, spooks arrive for the midnight street. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. If you've ever struggled to reach your own child and 
connect with them. And, and you got to, boy, you're trying to parent them, but you just don't seem to know how to, to get the parenting in without being a jerk. We got a great guest for you now. Kim Giles is joining us. She's the president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching, popular life coach, author, and speaker. She's a contributor on the show. She's on here regularly, and uh, she's going to walk us through how to parent a difficult child. Kimberly Giles, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, Matt. How are you? Good to be here. Very good. Good to have you back. Now, you wouldn't have any experience parenting a difficult child. Oh, all seven of mine are just angels. <laughs> Gifts from heaven. <laughs> of course, all of us go through we do. rough spots with some of them, and usually they're the ones that are the most like us Yeah, that we have trouble with. Isn't that funny? They bother you because they, they like remind you of you. All right. Scary. What, yeah. what are we supposed to do, and, and how do we kind of take a more psychological approach about this? Well, you know, my specialty, I try to make psychology super simple. And so I've realized that there's really only two types of, of people in the world. I mean, we could really narrow ourselves down to two categories. And the first is people who need control to feel safe. And the second is people who need approval and validation to feel safe. And the first step to really understanding the dynamic between you and, and the child in question is to figure out first for yourself, are you somebody who needs control or who needs validation and approval, reassurance about your value to feel safe? And then you've got to look at your child. So let me give you some ideas of what they might look like so listeners could figure yeah. out. where they are and where their child is. So if you're a control-focused parent, you might be really overly focused on tasks and things and like a lot of order and structure, everything in its place. You might like to run your home, you know, like a tight ship. And this may mean you'll lose your temper or feel walked on or taken from anytime the kids won't immediately do what you want. Right. Because you're losing control. Right? So you might be kind of a perfectionist, that kind of a parent. Now, if you have a child that's control-focused, you probably have power struggles with that child all the time because these children want freedom and choices and control more than anything else. So they are going to fight you. And (laughs) they may manipulate you, defy you, anything to, to feel like they have the right to make their own choices. That, that, and, and the right to make their choice, it's uh, what does it do for them? Well, basically, it just makes them feel like they have the right to be them. Yeah, they can. I mean, yeah, they can do it their way. It, it gives them. Yeah. I guess it can alleviate some of the anxiety of let me just be me. Absolutely, and and you probably already know if you have a child that needs control. Because mm-hmm. right? they've been taking it, right? They, they've been grabbing at it like for years, right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, if you're a validation and approval-focused parent, your biggest fear is actually looking bad or being criticized or judged or anything that makes you feel like you might not be good enough. And parents that are in this boat can sometimes be really strict because they're so worried about the children not making them look bad. Mm -hmm. Or they could be really overly lenient because they're always trying to get the kid to like and approve of them. So you kind of have to look at yourself on both ends with this one. And 
And the crazy thing about it, if, if you're a validation, approval-seeking parent, your child kind of can feel this from you. Huh. And, and they may even lose respect for you, especially the more that you make everything about them. I actually remember a day when one of my children was in trouble, and the first place I went is, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Right? And, and that child got really mad. This is not about you. Yeah, mom. Don't make this about you, mom. <laughs> right? Don't you love that when they <laughs> they they peg you? They they yeah, boy. Yes, read you right, exactly right. accurate. So um, the other thing that might happen if you're an approval or validation parent is is you might be so focused on on proving your worth. You might be a workaholic. You might be really focused on your own project. And, and your child will also feel like they're the last in line. Right. So that can lead to problems. Yeah, like they feel like they, you always have a project. Everyone else is, import, is ahead of you because, and you don't even end up um, knowing. You don't even end up like sensing your parents care about you because they, don't, they want to look good. They don't want to, they, they, they don't seem to, you know, they're more embarrassed by you than caring for you. Yeah, and kids, kids can pick up on that if, if that's where you are. Now, I also want to describe if you have a child that's very needy for validation or, or approval, they're going to do anything to get your attention. And if good behavior doesn't get it, they might try bad behavior. Yeah. Because they just, attention equals love. And, and these kids do want a great deal of praise and reassurance that they're important, that they're special. And if they're not getting that, they're definitely going to act out. Right. So uh, the other thing you kind of have to watch if you've got an approval-seeking child is if you're a control parent and you're trying to keep control, they may feel like they're constantly being disapproved of. And if you've got this validation-seeking child who feels like he can never please you, they may give up trying. They may get passive-aggressive even in order to to rebel back for what they feel like they're not getting. So the first thing I want parents to do is just step back from a, a, for a minute and, and own which of those two camps do you think you're in? Right. What is your primary focus? Are you were a fear of failure parent or are you a fear of loss of control parent? And I, I bet they already know. Yeah, exactly. But see, to know, to know what you are is the beginning, right? Because if I know where I am, then I, then I can pretty much predict too and, and I diagnose where my kids are and see why we maybe don't why we butt heads absolutely first step for sure now um i know that this is really oversimplifies it a little bit but but we've really found that if you look at any bad behavior and and you kind of step back from it you're going to see behind it with somebody who had some fear of either looking bad or failing or fear of loss at some level and it's really what's behind all bad behavior, um, jealousy. We, we get a lot of sibling rivalry stuff um, at my house, and I'm sure yeah, us everybody too. experiences yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's usually a loss of control, control of wanting things to be the way I want them to be. Right. So when you see a lot of fighting around that, it's really a control issue. It's so, it's so true. And then, but then... And I guess, too, because that's a big deal. If I'm the one that needs the – if I'm the one that constantly needs kind of validation and approval, my kids always feel like they're backburnered. Or if my kids want validation and approval 
and I and I'm not giving it to them. Either way, I can affect them. Even if they need it or if I need it, it's going to impact the relationship. Absolutely. So. So we can get into lots of good tips once you realize what you are and what your child is. There's a lot of things that we can do to form a better connection and really meet each other's needs. Okay, Kim, let's take a break and come back, though, and have you start giving us some of those tips. What are some ways to kind of reach the control needed uh, or those that need validation? And and how do we kind of make this work? Great, interesting, or a very interesting uh, information by Kim Giles again. Go to her website, ClarityPointCoaching.com. Wonderful resources there, articles, wonderful assessments you can take as well. We're just getting started here, folks. We'll be more right back. More with Kim Giles when we come back. Friends to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about parenting a difficult child. Kim Giles joins us, who's the president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching. If you go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com, you can access all of her wonderful information. And uh, Kim is is enlightening us about two parenting kind of styles, or what, what are we calling these types? Yeah, psychological types almost. Yeah, so one in type our, is control, control focus. Yeah. Control seeking, mm-hmm. uh, and the other is approval, validation seeking. Right. And, and, and so talk. Okay. So now the parents. Once we kind of know the what kind of parent we are, then how do we approach the kids? Okay. So if you recognize you're a control seeking parent, um, you you got to work on letting go of some control and and letting some things go. You've really got to choose your battle. Yeah. Because. Too much of a force and the domination control on kids is going to create rebellion. Oppressed people rebel. That is what they do. History right. has shown, right? So so we've got to kind of choose our battles very carefully. Um, and, and also remember that when you've got a child who's fighting against your control today, it's highly likely that that is your lesson today, that this isn't about controlling the kid. It's about you learning what's important and how to control these fear of loss needs that show up in you. And and I always like to remind my parents that you're here every bit as much to learn from your kids as you're here to teach them. They're teachers for you. And, hmm. and so for a control-seeking parent, that's really important. Now, if you have a control-seeking child, what you need to know is, is they need to have as much freedom as you can give them, which means give them lots of choices, but always give choices that you can be okay with either option. Yeah. Right? That's, it, it, that's all they it, need, right, are options. Absolutely. So that they feel like they're in control. So if my child wants to drink before bed, I'll ask them, would you like bathroom water or kitchen water? Because <laughs> I'm okay with either one. And and this kind of, of choices just make it a win for everybody because they feel like they have control. You also want to get them involved in making the rules in the house and making decisions and setting consequences. If you ask for their opinion and listen to them a great deal, they're, they're going to feel like they did have some choice 
in, in what these rules that were established are, and they're more likely to keep them if they help make them. Yeah. No, so I, we really I totally. want to give them freedom. Mm. I love that because it's by, by discerning that, you're going to eliminate dozens and dozens of arguments over silly, stupid things. Yeah. Which we do argue with over with all the time, lot, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> all the time. And it makes no sense, right? But we we just do it, and we and it might be this battle of a parent and a child that are going for control, and that's that's like you said, that's just going to create rebellion. Yeah, that that dynamic is probably going to be the one with the most conflict. Mm-hmm. So it's a place where you really got to do some work. Though, if you're an approval seeking parent, you really have got to do some work too on your own self esteem and self worth. Um, because your insecurity and need to prove your value and your fear about what other people think of you will get in the way of your connection with your child. Because every second that we're worried about us and, and how we look or if we're good enough, our focus is on us. Mm. And in that place, we're, we're literally not capable of seeing what our child needs in those moments. And I say this a lot when we're talking about marriage, that the best thing you can do for your marriage is to work on your own self-esteem so that your fear issues don't get triggered and cause conflicts. But the same exact thing goes with parenting. We, we've got to work on ourselves and we, we got to remember that kids are watching us. And so if you're showing your kids that you're afraid of what people think of you and you're insecure, they, it's very likely they're going to pick up those same traits from you. So doing some work with a coach or counselor on your own self-esteem so that you see your value accurately and you're, you're not as needy for validation, you're literally going to give your children permission to have the same kind of mindset themselves. Yeah. No, I love that. That's Do you find that with totally, your work too? Absolutely. Key? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is we it depends where you get your self-esteem. I mean, somebody feel comfortable. Some feel comfortable because they seemingly have control. Some feel comfortable and in a sense of worth because they because people are constantly praising them. It's I, I guess in the end, it's you got to know yourself, right? And, and the therapy or any kind of coaching you get to know yourself better is going to open up a bigger repertoire for how you can handle life. I mean, life's going to always push your self worth, right? Your, and your so, self esteem. So- Matt, the one we didn't mention is if you've got a, an approval, validation-seeking child, Yeah. What, what they really need from you is a lot of time, attention, praise. But, but I want parents to be careful what they praise kids about, because we really don't want to focus on their appearance or even their performance. We really want to focus on their attributes and qualities, the things that make them who they are. So I'm always pointing out to my children, you're you're just such an amazing person. You're so kind. You know, you're good to people. Look at how considerate you are. Those types of of focuses when we're giving praise make a big difference. Mm. And they help a child learn that their value isn't in question or based on their appearance and performance. And, And if you've got a child that you can tell is very insecure and needy for validation, um, I actually do have another free worksheet on my website Sweet. called Clarity Points for Confident Kids. Great. And, so they and go to ClarityPointCoaching.com and they look up the worksheet. Uh, programs for Parents. Okay, cool. And they'll find it on that, on that page. And, and I just think 
the more that we can start young teaching our children a, a more accurate way of seeing their own value and the value of other people, you can set them up for a lifetime of better self-esteem. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The younger we start. Well, and a great place to start it. Clarity Point Coaching. That's, I mean, really getting the tools you need as a parent, that's that's half the game. And then just learning to execute them and do them. Not executing the children, of course, but learning to manage the principles you've learned to get the results. That's awesome. awesome. Man, Kim, you did great. Good job. Thanks again Thank for your you. insight. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Okay, thanks, Matt. Be good. Kim Giles, check her out at claritypointcoaching.com. Wonderful resources there uh, for life and family. Wonderful, interesting tools. You know, there's no end to the learning, right? There's no end. It's just more. We, we always need to learn more. We'll take a break, come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, find out what's going to be on their show at the top of the hour, and we'll wrap up this uh, Monday show it's you know we've made it we've made it we'll be back stick with us Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We will now send it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show today. Hello, gentlemen. Are you there, guys? We are here. Can you hear us? I can hear you now. We heard all of that. Did you Did you see? Did you hear Ghost Speed Racer? Of course. Yep. Was that? Uh, I was that the? That's probably the goal, right? When you think about it, if I could, if I could be Speed Racer now, I'm 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 starting to set you guys up. Because who would be known in the Olympics as Speed Racer? Michael Phelps. That's easy. Ooh. Yeah. We were thinking uh, Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Yeah. See? That's, that's, that's where Brian was going. Did you watch last night? I did watch last night, and I thought that was really entertaining. I thought it was a great race. That was a great race. I didn't even watch it. I, I think was, you could take him, though, Spence. Spence yeah, if he gave him. me a 50-yard head start. Spence could take him <laughs> backwards, man, a backpedal. <laughs> He could do. You could skip your way ahead right. of Usain yeah, Bolt. He can give him a fifty-yard head start. You guys, you know what? The funny thing is, you're real athletes, and yet you look at a Usain Bolt and you think, "Holy cow!" What's so crazy There's a about between real athletes and like real Olympic yeah. athletes? What's so crazy about what he does is he's he's never been the quick starter. He he just oh. has such crazy high end speed. Mm-hmm. That he can maintain, that well, uh, he can over he can overtake everyone. When your legs like can really yes. just like run over a person that's like five six without even touching him. That dude know? is a cheetah. Like, yeah, he's a cheetah. He's no, you're not saying he cheated, right? No. Um, I don't know. Somebody want to look at his urine samples? Actually, now, no. There, there <laughs> have no, we don't. been there have been some people that have speculated, and this came about in the 2012 London Olympics oh. with him and. So like the it, whole team, right? The it, whole Jamaican team. It's not that his his backdrop is entirely pristine, but innocent until proven guilty, right? Right. Yeah. But he 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 does start slow. I thought, man, he's starting slow, and then it's almost like once he's standing straight up, it's over. How tall is how tall is he? Like six five. Oh, I want to say like six four, six five. I yeah. think that, so. That the issue is, I think this is where I had a lot of advantage when I played against taller guys is my my fast twitch uh, muscles muscles are yeah. faster 
right? And so it's 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 a lot easier in smaller spaces being able to get to the ball or get a step on a guy, but that long speed, that's that's really what would hurt me a lot. Cuz he's 65. Yeah, he's 65, yeah. 207 pounds. Yeah. You know what? You know what always worried me about you, Brian. It wasn't even the fast muscles; it was just the twitching. <laughs> <laughs> you know I know. What I, mean? I, I tried to settle down. I couldn't catch. You had a lot of twitching because of that. My <laughs> fingers just kept twitching in my hands. I know. It's you just know. like you got to do something. You got to do said something. It's because my biceps were too big for my my body. For my now, who, now who said that? Your mother? Uh, no, my mom didn't say that. Who it's said that? Doctors and stuff. Doctors like said you had too big of biceps. Yeah, that's something so I've never heard. Weight in your arms. Yeah, Brian. you need to tone down your arms yep. a bit. Yep. I hate it when that happens. I know. I think they're just jealous, though. <laughs> they are, totally. I get that all the time. Yeah. People are like, hey, you got to tone down your belly. See, finally, somebody I can relate to. Mm-hmm. I got a fast twitch belly. <laughs> somebody was like, you should go from a eight-pack to a six-pack, bro. <laughs> yeah. Eight-packs aren't in right now. I should go to a from an eight-pack to a keg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a big keg belly. Hey, what uh, what's on your show today? I mean, the, I don't know if you know, today? the U.S. Uh, volleyball is playing right this second. That they are. Looking good. Okay. They just won in three sets, in fact, and that means they advance to the quarterfinals. Sweet! Becoming the first team in Olympic history in men's volleyball to start out 0-2 in pool play and successfully make the quarterfinals. Man. That's big time. What a turnaround. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Good they, for the U.S. Yes! Some good news. Hey, before uh, we switch to volleyball, I, I wanted to mention to you, while we're talking about six-packs and eight-packs yeah. and bellies packs. and whatnot, Kegs. Jamal Williams referred to Ty Detmer as Big Belly. Big Belly. <laughs> That's hilarious. What, Big like, Belly. Like, is that is that is that a term of endearment? Is I, that... Uh, Coach, I guess. Coach, Coach Big, Big Belly. Belly. Coach Big Belly. <laughs> <laughs> What's the play, Coach? What did, Ty say, what did Ty Detmer say? Oh, Ty, just like the Heisman Trophy winner that he has, takes everything in stride. You can't really say much. Just I'd tell him to start running. Take a lap. <laughs> I would just. You Take know, they're a still lap. trying to figure each other out, you know, with their relationship and everything. So, you know, Ty is kind of like a, to me, from what I've seen, is kind of just more laid back, you know, not really too much outspoken. So right. I think he can probably just laugh it off. But in the back <laughs> of his mind, he's like, you got two more times where I've been. Two more and I'm going to bust you. You're not playing at all. <laughs> this is fun to see these new coaches try to make this work. <laughs> it's right? kind of, it adds like, a whole new dynamic. How do I even respond to that, guys? Yeah. Probably in the, in the coaches' meeting. You going to let him call you that? You going to let him get away with that? He's being mean to me. What should I say, fellas? <laughs> I think he can handle it. This is cool. What? How fun to see. I'm excited to see when they open all this up and you can actually see the work they've been doing. How cool. Yeah. We'll find or, out yeah, I know. in well, under three weeks. Or if it's uh, the other way around. Or scary, huh? Oh, that's – I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. Anything else on the show today? Oh, you know, speaking of Jamal Williams dubbed Big Belly coach <laughs> Ty Detmer, he – is on the program today. We asked him which quarterback is merging ahead in the quarterback competition. Really? He answers that question on the show today. Big time. Okay, no one's going to want to miss that. And Micah Hanneman, of course, because Brian Logan's here and he's a defender and a past defender at that. Micah Hanneman is the starting or will be the starting strong safety for BYU this fall. Uh, He kind of talks about why he thought the defense dominated in Saturday's scrimmage, plus 
our three headlines from Saturday's scrimmage, what everybody needs to know after one week of fall camp culminating in that scrimmage. Woo. This is, and you can't tell us because you're teasing us, but. Don't you want to know what Ty Detmer said about the quarterbacks? Yeah. Yeah, I know you do. Okay. Don't you want to know why the defense yeah. dominated yeah. over the weekend? I do. And every practice, and it's just the best side of the ball to be on <laughs> in this great sport that we love called football. Mm. Mm. Someone sounds a little biased mm-hmm. there. What? We've got a little biased reporting here. Bro, like, tr- like truth, there's no bias in truth. This is just okay. fact. This isn't, this <laughs> well, isn't yeah, an like, opinion. That's an oxymoron. Like, it, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. So I get, I'm with you. Yeah, I know. I know. You, you said oxymoron, not oxymormon, right? No. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure. That was a good one. Thank you. That was a good one. That's I why like they it. pay me the big bucks. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to get on your level, man. Well, I, someday, still need, I still need to come on your show. Dude. I know, so I, can, I know. I, can, so I, I keep telling my people. And they're like, well, is he going to talk about his kid? What's he going to talk about? So it's whatever you guys want me. To I know talk about. that's the problem. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe when I take when I have a vacation, you could come fill in. That'd be fun. Yeah, I could talk. I could, dude. I could talk for an <sighs> hour straight. I just need like two Tylenols and an orange juice, and I'm good. <laughs> you mean breakfast? That yeah. sounds like a breakfast of champions. That is. That's my breakfast right there, man. Okay, we'll get you on here, Bri. I promise. Right. It'll happen. You said it. Okay, go do your you show. You don't even got to pay me. You don't even got to pay We're me. We're ready. Matt. I know. I'll, take, I'll do it for free. I, see, that's the thing. It's three hours, Bri. I'll do it for free, man. It's three hours of ad lib. Actually, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. Okay, sold. Done. Uh, can you be here tomorrow? Yep. Okay. We'll have you on tomorrow, right? Oh, all, right. all the lies that are flying across the airwaves are amazing right now. Oh, I, oh, actually, I'm coming in tomorrow and oh. Wednesday, so I got you Thursday. Okay, well, we'll we'll get you Thursday. Thursday, yeah. All right, guys, have a great show. Knock them dead, Brian. Thank we'll you. get we'll all get right. the studio ready for you. That's fun, boy. That would be fun to have Brian on the show. I have a feeling we would change radio as we know it. It would happen. Hey, we got a great story for you um, about a cute little squirrel. In Connecticut. This is the squirrel playing the cup song. That's the sound a squirrel makes when it's caught in a yogurt cup. Emergency medical responders in Connecticut were filmed giving aid to an unusual patient, a panicking squirrel with a yogurt cup stuck on its head. And it sounded like it was playing the cup song. The squirrel, panicked by its blindness... Attempts to leap its way to freedom, jumping up and down, trying to get that stupid cup off its head. The animal's erratic movements elicited laughter from the emergency responders before they were able to catch the the uh, squirrel and, uh, you know, in a blanket and then remove the cup from its head. The squirrel, apparently uninjured, then flees the, into the wildlife, uh, flees from the team out into nature. Squirrel! Squirrel! That's a great... Uh, It's a great story, folks. See, the EMS people, they care so much that they're going to even take care of your your squirrel playing the cup song. Again, these are people. They don't have to do this. They could have just let the squirrel go. But they took care of it. You know what we're going to call that? We're going to call that person a hero. By the way, uh, another story that we wanted to talk about, and we we have a lot of uh, research going on on this. It's uh, 
it's a story we talked about earlier in the show um, about the a, a dad, a young man from Australia, got caught when uh, he his dad basically burned his marijuana plants. He's a bad boy. And he was so mad that he called the cops, and the cops showed up and indignant and enraged the son threw his dad under the bus for what he saw as the ultimate crime of chucking his prized cannabis plants into the bonfire. And uh, he thought that the cops would actually just arrest his dad, but they didn't. In fact, they just kind of laughed it off and said, well, there you have it. But uh, he's not expected to face charges because the, the, all of the evidence was destroyed. Oh, come on! I know. And so I'm telling the story again because that dad has been made one of the heroes of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. Because if a dad will throw away his kid's cannabis to teach a lesson, and who cares if the cops come? Another hero story take, took place on the New Jersey Turnpike. He helps a boy. Uh, they help a boy find his beloved teddy bear along the highway. When a young boy was devastated after losing his his teddy bear named Barry, somewhere along the New Jersey Turnpike, the Turnpike Authority staff and employees at Sunoco Gas Station made it their mission to find the wayward wayward bear. My son had Barry since he was a baby, said Jalissa Viana of New York City. He was devastated, really, really upset, and in disbelief that we couldn't find him. He cried, she said. We had stopped at one of the service stations along the turnpike, and my husband rearranged some of the belongings, so it may have fallen out of the car, she said. No one noticed Barry had vanished until nine hours later when the family arrived in North Carolina. We were all searching the car frantically, Viana said. We even called one of the service stations to see if anyone recovered it, but no one had. On a whim, Viana said she decided to try her luck on social media. The following day, she tweeted, when she didn't hear the, the back about the bear. Several friends, family members also retweeted in an effort to find Barry. And within a few hours, the New Jersey Turnpike uh, tweeted back at Viana and told her that they believed they had the teddy bear in custody. We were ecstatic, Viana told NBC News or ABC News. We couldn't believe it. When we saw the photo of the New Jersey Turnpike uh, posted on Twitter, we were floored. Barry was back. They had, uh, they wrote that they had heard that the boy had lost his stuffed bear. And guess what? Good people at the New Jersey Turnpike organization, they, they, they got him his bear back. Again, folks, good people helping people in need. That's what it's about. You don't need to be, you know, you don't need to work for the Turnpike. And you don't need to work uh, for the fire department to be the hero. Every one of us can be a hero every single day. Until tomorrow, folks. We'll be back for more, giving you more information. But until then, take it upon yourself to go step up, to be a better dad, to be a better mom, to be a better friend, to be a better neighbor. Let's look after each other. Let's make this world better one person at a time and uh, take care of each other. Until tomorrow, be good. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Make it a great one.